Now. Three, two, one, go! What's up and welcome to episode 35 of the Cooldown Time Podcast, a horrendously good weekly show about gaming's best and bootiest. I'm your graphically impressive host, Marco, and joining me as always is my co-host and the king of podcast co-op, it's Pablo. How you doing, man? How's it going? I'm glad that we're back. New How year. you feeling? Are you feeling better? Is the COVID gone? Is Yeah, yeah, yeah. A tested negative, uh, feeling good. Maybe some leftover kind of congestion here and there, but I'm feeling ready to go and ready to talk about some video games in the new year. Let's do that. Let's do that. This is our first uh, first normal episode in a little while. We had some uh, pretty awesome Game of the Year uh, discussions. If, if uh, those of you listening hadn't checked that out yet, um, I suggest you do. Uh, it was a good time, and there was a lot of good uh, conversations had. A little bit of su- uh, some surprises as well with some of the awards we gave out and uh, how our te- hot top 10 shaped up. I think that was a pretty good time, man. Um, so, yeah, if you missed that, go back and check that out, please. Um Otherwise, uh, we're ready to move on and start thinking ahead about 2022, and we're going to do that in a big way with our Checkpoint chat this week as we talk about our uh, most anticipated games. We're going to do five indie games and five uh, AAA games uh, to round out our list uh, to show you guys later on in the Checkpoint chat. Before that, we have our Hit Points segment, which is our news uh, segment of the show. We've got two pretty interesting ones in terms of uh, a pretty scathing report about one of gaming's quote-unquote visionaries. And also um, a rumor about uh, the future of cyberpunk. So, um, and it might be looking pretty good for Night City. So we'll talk about that in the hit points. And of course, we have loadouts to catch you up on what we've been up to uh, since we uh, last did a loadout, which was a little while ago. So lots to get caught up on. If that sounds good to you and you like the show, give our podcast a sub. We're available weekly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite streaming apps. And you can keep us in your FOV in between episodes by following us on IG at Cooldown Time Podcast and also Twitter at Cooldown Time Pod as well. So, Pablo, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into loadouts. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, Pablo, I'm actually going to kick it over to you first because I, I, I want to hear your thoughts about this game that you've been playing. I've been kind of curious about this one, uh, just outside looking in, but, but talk to me about what you got to talk about today. Yeah, so I'm I'm playing a lot of Witcher, but uh, I'm not gonna talk about that because we can talk about Witcher all day. We'll we'll talk, actually talk about uh, the show in a little bit here. But yeah, the the other game that I've been playing that I've been putting some serious time into, and it's Sherlock Holmes chap- Chapter One. <clears throat> now, Frogware is a weird studio that's primarily made the Sherlock Holmes games forever, and they've ranged from horrible to not so horrible. Uh, couple years ago they released sinking city which is a game that i was really interested in uh and we played it and you know i think there was something there but it just didn't it didn't really ever get to the promised land where you know where we thought it would so sherlock holmes chapter one is the game after that and it had a lot of promise uh in terms of how they talked about it um and i i will say there is something about this game that is incredibly interesting and keeps me coming back for more um, it's not perfect. It's, I guess it is a bad game. Uh, but it's, it's one of those kind of bad games that 
have has these moments of like really great moments that you're kind of like oh this is kind of dope so i'll kind of just say you know there was a thing that we talked about about someone saying that's too modernized or something after putting hours into this game uh fuck that this game is obtuse as fuck this shit is so (laughs) crazy look you're digging through menus to activate certain game mechanics there's a a mechanic called the mind palace where you make deductions on certain clues that you find yeah mind palace um really Yep. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> you have to combine clues, uh, and the game never really tells you to do this. It doesn't like a pop up, but not in a way where it's kind of like uh, very informative. Uh, there's uh, you combine clues to make deductions. Then there's this eavesdrop mechanic where these people are having a conversation, and you have to point, pick out specific sentences that are uh, that are or that stand out. The problem is, is that stay, they stand out. These sentences stand out. Uh, according to the case you're currently working, uh, they oh, stand so you, out. wait. So you, do you mean like like incriminating things that they might be kind of? Yeah. So at for example, stuff? I'll give you an example of the first case. Uh, okay. So you're you're dealing with with this. Uh, somebody has stole a diamond, and you're dealing with what's going on with this kind of nobleman who's kind of a jerk, and okay. the, the the help the staff is talking about him, uh, and you have to pick pick out certain things about him that they might not like. Right. The problem is. Is that a lot of the things that um, that that are interesting, quote unquote, interesting sentences are things that come up after the fact. So you have to like it's a trial and error. Like, oh, is this interesting? No, is it? No, nope. you have to start the mini game over until you finally find the three things that are relevant, and that sucks. So far, the game's only had me done it twice. Uh, and it, that's the thing. It doesn't repeat a lot of the mechanics a lot, but so far twice is, is, is the amount of times that I've done it. I hate this mechanic. I think it's terrible. Uh, and then, yeah, um, it doesn't, I, doesn't sound all that, that, that cool. Uh, you know, yeah. outside looking in, no, it sounds kind of like annoying after a while. <laughs> and then the thing is, there's, there's a, there's a, there's also things that you can collect. Uh, for example, this guy is a medium and he, uh, apparently there's an ectoplasm, uh, which is what, uh, spirits live behind. And so I, there's a chemical analysis mode as well that you go in there to analyze the chemical to then determine what it really is, which is an ectoplasm. The problem is that that shit is fucking crazy. It's obtuse as hell. Here's how crazy it is. That okay. the game knows it and it gives you straight up, hey, you just want to skip this? And you hit skip and it'll solve it for you. <laughs> so oh, no. it doesn't really like the purist, I'm sure, <laughs> will will sit there and, and, and chemically analyze this 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 bullshit. I am not doing that. Um and so there's little things like this. This game is very, 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 very obtuse, has a lot of mechanics within the framework that really muddle the experience because it does so so many cool things. Uh, graphically, it's not impressive, but it's not horrible. Voice acting is actually kind of great. Uh, the writing isn't even half bad either. It's, it's Sherlock Holmes, obviously. They, they really nail the character. Uh, there's a guy with you. His name is John, and I think he's dead. <laughs> uh, I, I actually, yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure the game is alluding to he's not real. Real. He's in your mind, right? Oh, um, snap. Okay. And the, th- the cool thing about that is he shows up in every kind of case that you're in and he's either sitting on the bed a funny po- and and it's like he's there and nobody's and nobody's referencing him but he's helping you kind of along the way with hey maybe you should check this maybe you should check that it's actually a kind so of dope weird. mechanic you know what's it weird about me, it it sounds like a twin peaks kind of thing in a weird way a little bit a little bit and what's weird about it is that it does weird shit like that where the first case i'm doing he's in there he automatically sits down on a piano and starts playing music like 
And then he looks over and he's playing the music, the tense music. And he looks over, he goes, oh, my bad, sorry. He stops playing. And then you talk to somebody and all of a sudden there's like a strum of a guitar like, oh, no, you just hit on a mysterious clue. And then you look over and he's holding a guitar and he just drops the guitar. And he's like, sorry. And that's the only time that's happened. (laughs) 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 Which happened in the beginning. And I thought it was actually kind of charming and kind of funny. I was like, oh, they're really putting comedy into this. But it doesn't, it hasn't really happened again. Um, so anyway, it's just these, it's a very weird game of so many ideas. They're like, how many ideas do you have? All of them. Okay. Let's put them all in the game. Um, that's so because that's what it feels like. Yeah. It's bizarre about like developers of that, like stature and with that kind of reputation should almost be more disciplined to do like less and to know like we, we it's almost like Biomutant in a way like you know how like yeah. they just try to do everything in, in one All game it, but the, yet yeah. they were a team of like what 20 people yeah it, it, it reminds me of that in a sense like you have to kind of know how to discipline yourself a little bit I think what happens is, is they have a framework that exists and it works and because they don't have to work too hard on that framework on that engine wherever it is they have more time for more ideas and instead of like you said holding themselves back they're just like oh this is a good idea oh this is a good idea and the truth is each of those ideas are good ideas and a really cool game mechanic to have in a game, but just one or two of them, not all of them, you know? <laughs> uh, and tonally, the game is very, very, very weird as well. Like, you go from visiting your mom's grave to very serious and, and kind of you coming to to a, a, a place where you accept her death to then just some silly bullshit about the guy playing guitar in the middle of a thing. And he's, But I don't know what it is. I just keep coming back to this world, and I really am enjoying it. I do not recommend it. I don't think anybody should play this game because I feel this is a very just an experience that I'm having all on my own. Uh, and um, you know, it's a 2021 game. It doesn't have a chance in hell to if I revise my top 10 list to make it because I'm, I'm as many as much fun as I'm having with it, as interested as I am. I'm having also like just I'm repulsed by it <laughs> in many ways as well. <laughs> But it, Yo, it's I've a really got an awful analogy, but I'm going to keep it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> it, every once in a while, they're, they're, these weird games come out and, and you know they're not good. Like like Sinking City was a game that I put a decent amount of hours into it, you know, and I was like, I'm not going to. Like, here's a, here's a perfect example. Mur- uh, suspect murder. What murder? Oh, uh, Murdered Soul Suspect? Or murder Soul Suspect. Something ter- like that. Yeah, Murdered Soul Suspect. Awful game. But it's a game that completely kept me in into it for a very long time, longer than it should have. But I, I, I know that it's bad. But yeah, that's Sherlock Holmes Chapter One. Don't recommend it, but I'm having a good time. <laughs> you got some like psychology thing where you'll drop off of a of a good game that you're not feeling quick. But when you, yeah. but I feel like when you know the game is bad, you're almost you're almost more morbidly curious and you keep playing. Yeah. I feel like that's your style. <laughs> I think what happens is a lot of games that are good, but I just fall off of them. Are games that like I, I've seen before. And it's like, okay, I, I get it. I've uh, seen this yeah, kind of game before. Yeah. And this is so different from anything I've ever played that it keeps me interested. But yeah. I know that I'm going to come away from this. I'm not going to finish it. I'm going to come away from this thinking, that sucked. And then I'm going to think about <laughs> Far Cry 6 and be like, you know, that's actually pretty good. So it, it, it's just one of those things. I feel you, man. Well, you know what? Contrary to you, I was actually playing some good games uh, during our uh, our game of the year break. So um, I actually, you know, I went back and I revisited um, God of War 2018. And, uh, you know, I, I came to it, you know, uh, with kind of a, a more open mind than I think I, I initially played it with. Now, originally, I thought it was an excellent game. I didn't know if I thought it was a masterpiece, but I kind of do now. Um, and I think 
it's striking me in a different way because of changes to my personal life. And I think just um, looking at it with a fresh set of eyes instead of where my headspace was at about its comp- uh, you know, competition and inspiration in the past. And here's kind of what I mean. I think for me, one of the big reasons why I appreciate God of War now is parenthood. Um, my relationship with my kid, and I tweeted about all this in my personal Twitter account, um, but you know, my relationship with my, with my daughter, uh, always evolves as her, you know, um, understanding of life and, and her curiosities and her confidence grows and how to do things by herself and stuff like that. So I understand and relate to Kratos a lot more than I initially did because I see, uh, you know, the, the, all the moments where he, he tells Atreus, you know, you're not ready. You're not ready. You're not ready. I, I understand it better now. And, it, you know, I used to only see it from the kid's perspective of, oh my God, am I ever going to be ready? You know, now I get it from the opposite side of the coin. So I think that's a cool little flip for, for me in my own, um, you know, parenthood, um, in that relationship. I think also, um, at the time, I was also really, really stuck on comparing this to The Last of Us, which was yeah. valid because of the Joel and Ellie relationship versus the Kratos-Atreus relationship, and it's definitely inspired by The Last of Us. That's clear, but I I can see it. I can see what makes this relationship different, and it wasn't just a poor man's Last of Us in that in that regard. Now, and at the time, I I, I really struggled with that, and I remember tweeting, uh, not tweeting you, uh, texting you about that, um, even back then, about just ah, it just doesn't feel like yeah. they're doing something original here. They're kind of biting off of that, but um, now I I get it a lot more. Um, it is still that parental or guardianship type of vibe between the two, but I think the Kratos relationship is very different considering his background and his his context and what he's been through in his own life and stuff like that, the lessons he's learned. So uh, it's pretty I dope. Think, uh, it's pretty I dope. think The Last of Us has given permission to writers and developers to make games that are unapologetically adult. And yeah. um, and so when you have a game like God of War that comes out uh, and it's recontextualizing Kratos... Uh, it's using that basis, which I'm sure, you know, they got from from The Last of Us. But I, I, I'm really excited to see, and 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 we have seen a lot of games really delve into adult material and things adult like life, other than like your, your Super Mario's and Zelda's, which are great fucking Definitely, games. But, yeah, yeah. You know, so the, yeah. God of War is an excellent example of that. Yeah, and I, I would also say I, I appreciate the flow of God of War a lot more. Um, the pace of that game is is so seamless, and I yep. think it's it, it's it's just the way the game is structured, all the way down to like the 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 one camera shot type of thing. It everything just feels like it constantly flows. There's no cutoff or no feeling of a cutoff anywhere in that game, and and that's just incredible, considering how much this game actually kind of throws at you. Um, and I think lastly, uh, and this is obviously a PS5 thing, but the performance upgrade to 60 frames has um, brought out even more of this game's excellence in terms of like facial animation and the acting and the motion capture of the acting. I think it really it, it really shines more now than it even did back then. So, um, and it still looks beautiful. I mean. I, if if Ragnarok looks at least on par with this game, I would kind of be cool with that. But obviously, oh, I yeah. want it to be better. You know, I'm just saying. You know, baseline. This looks really solid, even even three years later. Um, wait, three years later? No. Yeah. Kind, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So, three, um, uh, right. But uh, yeah, overall, I, I'm I'm really loving and, and, and enjoying my return back to um, 
back to this game. And um, besides that, I've also been playing a, a really obscure game called XO1. That's uh, spelled E-X-O space O-N-E if you're interested in checking this out. It's on Game Pass. Um, yeah. It's a it's a very journey esque type of game in that it's um, you know very short and sweet and and kind of um, minimalist in a lot of ways and surrealist in others. Um, uh, it, it's basically the gist of it is you are an astronaut that um, had a mission to go to Jupiter with your team of fellow astronauts, but it, it, some type of incident happened. And it's not fully clear whether your team died or they just got lost in space, per se, but they are basically considered dead. But you actually survive, you make it back to Earth, but you make it back with some alien technology in the form of a space probe. Um, And essentially, they build out that space probe for you to go back in space uh, to go explore and uh, to also uh, hopefully find these people because of something that you saw while you were in space, which was like a monolith. The monoliths in this game are kind of what the mass relays are in Mass Effect. They kind of uh, dart you to new planets in uh, across the universe. And so he is basically on a mission to come and find his uh, his lost crew. Um, and he's very troubled by it. He, he's, he's kind of left uh, Earth behind in more ways than one, including his relationships, um, because he feels like everything that he is 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 still up there in the sky. Um, so it's a really interesting story, but a very minimal one from that perspective, very haunting um, in terms of him being kind of troubled by what happened to his team. Um, and I just love it. I mean, the visuals are gorgeous. The planet design is just sublime. I think it's the best planetary design I think I've ever seen in a video game, if I'm being totally honest. It's it's everything that I think No Man's Sky was trying to do in terms of just like, wow, look at this place. But No Man's Sky had that like dumb cartoony look to it as well, which kind of yeah, well, took you out of it. They were trying to do a little more too with like life forms and stuff uh, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas this is very secluded. Um, and, and it's, man, one or two planets that I played through in the two hours that it is, uh, which, you know, again, doesn't overstay its welcome. Um, man, it kind of got me, man. I was like, ooh, that's that's so pretty. I had to look away from my TV a little bit, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I did not expect to kind of be moved by the yeah. way a game looks. You know, that doesn't happen to me very often. So um, I came into this with no expectation. I just kind of heard it tossed around, like, "Ah, you should probably play this game if you're into this sort of thing, like the planet. If you have like an interest in, you know, the space and the, the mysteries of space." And I was like, "All right, I'll try it out." And I got way more than I bargained for. Um, yeah, you know, so I, I, I love too. it. I, I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not for everybody. It is, it is a very simple game of just kind of, you know, uh, almost like you feel like you're skating on the planet in a sense, um, yeah. with, with the, uh, the, the probe that you're in, it looks like a marble, but it kind of flattens out so that you can glide in the air too. It's, it's so dope. I, I so gamified my experience by trying to break the, the sound barrier for every level. Oh, yeah. So if I didn't do it, I just restarted it. And I got stuck in the Nautica and the water one because it's so hard to gain speed on that one. Yeah, some uh, of the planets are a little challenging, but it's not like, like oh my God, I'm going to throw the controller type of challenging. It's, yeah, just it's like, definitely a fun is... game. It definitely talk, talk to you, you know, it spoke to you more than, than, than to me. But I I, yeah. I thought it was it, it was a really cool game where I, I was playing. I was like, oh, this is actually really dope. I'm kind of surprised I haven't heard about this game really, you know? Yeah. So and the and the yeah. best part of all is it's better than the film Interstellar. Um, <laughs> oh, oh gosh, uh, yeah, of course. Uh, no, but I had a really good time with it. The only thing I wish it had was HDR support. Um, you know, just because of how beautiful the rest of the game is, and I guns. wish that it it had a little bit more. <laughs> 
I hate you. I do. Ain't no um, guns in the shit. This ain't no, no man. shit. Ain't no battle pass. Uh, so uh but yeah those are the two uh those are the two games that i've been playing um and and of course like sprucing in some halo and and some random stuff just to kind of kill some time while i'm waiting for new stuff to come out but that's about it for me but um we have been uh we've been watching some 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 shows and uh as we mentioned earlier uh we've been watching some witcher uh, we got season two in the bag. Now, for those of you who have not finished watching uh, season two of The Witcher on Netflix, uh, spoiler warning, you're probably going to want to skip ahead about maybe eight to ten minutes, give or take, to uh, let us get through it all. Um, but yeah, we have a, a, a lot of opinions because me and Pablo, we're, we're Witcher stands. We can't help it. So we're going to go in a little yeah. bit on the spoilers. Uh, so you've been warned. It's on you from here on. All right. Tune in like ten minutes later. Do what you got to do. Um, but all right. So. Season two of The Witcher. Yeah. Um, what are your general thoughts? I mean, just kind of, just kind of riff. What, what do you got? Uh, I I liked it. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. Um, I I probably still enjoy season one better. Uh, I I I'm one of the few that liked that the 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 time travel aspect of season one, where they were telling the story out of order and then it sunk up towards the end. I, I thought that was really cool. But season two is a lot more straightforward. Um, I I really enjoyed it. I mean, I I think that they've nailed the 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 Witcher, the the aesthetic, the 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 character of the Witcher. And at first, out last last season, I was a little hesitant on the actress they picked for Siri, but she did sell me uh, in this season. I really do enjoy. I agree. Her, I agree. She uh, was a lot better, a lot better this, yeah. this time around. She's she's actually pretty excellent. Um, you know, Jennifer, I I I I, I like Jennifer just fine. I you know, where's that? Of course, something is backing up here, making beepy noises. But anyway, um. Tris, you know, uh, Tris Marigold, I, it, it, look, all the characters are fine. My problem uh, with this season is is just two things. Um, I, I, one, uh, I, you, you, we finally got uh, uh, Amir, the, the white flame that dances on its foe's grave, graveyard, whatever the, the fuck his whole ass nickname is. Sure. And they <laughs> made, and they made him hot. They casted a young-ish looking <laughs> dude, and I'm sure because he's gonna go head to head with 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 you know Henry Cavill and and his Witcher, uh, his Geralt. So you know he don't want you don't want him looking beating down an older uh, so they the guy. So they got some guy that looks young, you know. And then the other thing I don't like, and this is completely me being a, a fan of the series, is the fact that they use that as the major twist at the end that Amir is Siri's father. When duh, <laughs> we yeah. yeah. We, we knew, but it was like we knew right. this. If you play Witcher two or or three, you knew you know this. This you yeah. know. This this you know. So it's kind of like the big reveal when he turns around looking for my daughter. I'm like, yeah, we all know. And then I go online, and everybody's like, oh my god. I'm like, that's right. Nobody really. It's knew like this. the Game of Thrones type of vibe. Like the people that read the books are like, mm-hmm. I already know yeah. what this is going to be. The only difference is is when you know about the Red Wedding and you actually see it play out in the show. It's a lot yeah. different than seeing yeah. just a small reveal of. He's his father. Like, yeah, yeah, we know, we know that. Like, yeah. So, I, um, I, I, I really enjoyed the series. I think it's, 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 it has so many things. You, you can really fuck that shit up because we've seen it consistently throughout cinema history. Video games that turn into movies are not 
done well because video game is a interactive medium the thing that helps with witcher is that witcher was before it was an interactive medium it was a novel there are novels existing even now and so they have a lot of that to pull from that and it really works really well i i think that they balance witcher the video game and witcher the novels in, in a really nice way uh i think they make you know um I, they make a lot of the characters look a lot like the the game, but also descriptive way they also look like from the novels. I think Geralt is one hundred percent Witcher three Geralt, like I mean down to the voice, obviously. Um, you know I, we have our issues with Dandelion, uh, him no, not I being. That, I don't even think that's his name in here. It's something else. Now. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, yeah. obviously don't call him Dandelion. Yeah, um, but <clears throat> it, the Bard or whatever. Um, but yeah. I, you know, it, it's it, it's a really really solid show, and I am extremely uh, excited for season three and tr- it looks like the wild hunt is, is coming full force season three it's going to be the main thing and i think i i wonder if they're going to actually use the witcher 3 story as as a basis for season three uh because it, it looked like it, it could i mean I, there might have to be a time jump they've already kind of fucked with the timeline with where yennefer's actually made it to cure Morin, which has never happened before uh so uh, little things like that they're kind of like okay they're, they're taking their own liberties which i'm fine with um, so yeah. I wonder if they're going to implement a lot of three into season three without having the time jump, without Siri missing. I'd love to see the Red Baron. I'm, I'm just saying, I'd love to see that. That'd be pretty dope. Um, All right. But, so before, um, before I before I jump in next, uh, let me yeah. let me kind of let me let me throw some things at you. Give me your top three characters of the season, and tell me your favorite episode. Uh, my favorite. Okay, my top three characters um, of the season. Uh well, do they have to be like main characters or can I just be uh, whoever kind of stood out? Any standout performances from any? Well, I have my my favorite. I'll, I'll go with this. My favorite, um, my favorite episode is episode one. Um, oh yeah, hundred percent. I, I, I that was, mean, that was just so no, video game. <laughs> it's perfect. And it was, and it was so amazing because it was literally a side mission. It was a side quest. Yeah, uh, dude. right. It um, was perfect. And it was uh you know with the with, with uh, the the Broxa and his friend. I forget his his friend's name. Um. Oh yeah. I anyway, forgot. yeah yeah. He he basically he does what the Witcher does, and it's so it's so video gamey, and it's such a very powerful kind of um. At the end, where this guy comes out to be, yeah, I'm a, a rapist, you know? Yeah. And, and he's like, it, it, so they, they tackle these really serious matters. So, for episode one, my favorite. My, my top three characters, number one is um, is Geralt of Rivia, obviously. Number two is actually Ciri. Uh, and number three, um, you know, I really, I, I really enjoyed, uh, <clears throat> I forgot her name. The She's, Witch? Fringilla? Frangilla, I really enjoyed Frangilla. Same as I me. thought she was, <laughs> I thought she was fire. I, she that, was that dope. Season seven, season. Uh, episode seven, when oh she my froze God. him, well, she use uh, Wolf's Bane to freeze him. Yo, and that was fire. Yeah, she's I, I Oh man, I didn't see that coming. And at she all. was a character from last year that was so throwaway. Yeah, like I didn't under, I, I didn't know what they were. I mean, I knew she's a semi important character in the games, yeah, but yeah, I didn't. Yeah. It didn't seem like they were going to utilize her super well in in the yeah. in the show. And I'm like, oh yeah, they did. They did. And, yeah, I actually have the exact same choices as you, so I, it's kind of going to be a boring one, but on my side. But yeah, same reasons and same characters. I thought that Geralt uh, continues to be standout in my opinion. I think that uh, Ciri really came into her own as a character and and showed some dimension. 
uh, which I really appreciated. And Fringilla to me um, has that excellent combination of being kind of vulnerable and unsure, but also absolutely savage when it counts. And I really like that, yeah. that the way that that kind of um, balances her out as a character. So, uh, and the same episode as you for the same exact reasons. I think for me, I definitely like this season better than the first one because it's kind of getting into the nitty gritty a little bit with like the big yeah, yeah. story arcs now, which I like. Um, I think the biggest issue I had though, is there isn't quite enough witching going on. You know, I wish there was more hunting and more, 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 uh, frankly, more, more fighting. Um, uh, it was, it was a little dialogue heavy. So, um, let me ask you this. Did you hear about Henry Cavill getting like severely injured on set? No. No. So he got. Uh, but they got elixirs. Severe- he he should have just drank an elixir and he'd have been back in the game. You know what I mean? <laughs> Meditate. So he got he got really hurt to the point where uh, they were unsure if he was able gonna ever be able to do any kind of action. Period. Or have like a stunt double instead. Yeah. So he um uh he got hurt and I think they stopped production for a while and it looks like there there might have been some. Some stuff where they 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 might have pulled back a little bit. He's yeah. fine now, but yeah. the, you're right though. There was a weirdly enough where um, and, it, and even, even the battles the that did season, happen, the fighting, they were kind of fast. They were kind of over with and yeah. done within minutes. You're like, there here's this fearsome beast, and he just jumps from a cliff and done. Oh, yeah. and it's like, oh, oh well, dope, okay, still, yeah, yeah. It was it was cool, but yeah, it was like, oh, I kind of wanted to Roach. see. Why would they kill Roach? Kill Roach? I mean, it just like out of nowhere, Roach dead. Well, because you know, in the story, every horse that that he has is Roach. So I'm kind of tired of that as a plot device, though. Like you know, in video games and film, like oh, the horse, the the, the lovely trusted horse is dead, and you gotta pet it while it's laying on its side. <laughs> you know, it's like games do that. Like Ghost of Tsushima did that. Like a lot of games do that. Red Dead kind of does something Red like Dead that. Red Dead did it. It's yeah, like, Red Dead you know, absolutely. All right, did it. I'm I'm kind of cool with the horse death thing now as a plot device. I get it. It's, I mean, it's, it was it was. I, I liked it because <laughs> I liked it because it's it's part of the it, it's it, it, it is very important, and we see that now to have somebody that is working on the project that is passionate about the project. You got Ryan Reynolds doing Deadpool, and it works because he's passionate about Deadpool. Henry uh, Henry Cavill is extremely passionate about Witcher. Like they said, he's like a Witcher encyclopedia on set where he they actually go to him for like, hey, is this correct? Like, is this within that world? So you can tell like these little things that they put into the show where it's like the death of Roach is like, okay, it, it's a plot device, but also it's a very prominent thing that happens in the novels where he loses a lot of horses and then finds it's always a brown horse. It's always, it's always, yeah. and it's always Roach. That's why when he gets the black horse, he goes, you're not usually my type. You know, a little lines like that where it's like, okay, throw away lines. They make sense for the, the people who are Uber fans because we know his types are, are, are girl, yep. are, um, are female horses who are, who are brown in that way. So it's very, very, very dope the way that they do that shit. Uh, and yeah. uh, it, it's the details, really. Because, I mean, the show oh, yeah. is generally good, but the little details really make it stand out and make fans like us pop. You know? Yeah. The last thing I'll say is that there needed to be more Shakira singing at the end of every battle. <laughs> but hey, no, no, they no, actually no, implemented. No, 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 no. I want that. They, that people are like, that's really Shakira? No, no. <laughs> no, but they actually implemented some of that. Uh, I heard some of some it. Of I, heard some, I heard some I touches. I was like, hey, look at that. A little bit in there. One of the things that I, I was kind of sad is he came out in an interview for season two saying that he'll never get, he's never going to say a wind howling 
or feels like rain because he says that's the original. <laughs> like, those are, I'm not going to curb his lines. I'm like, that's what he said, which is disappointing because I every time he's standing there, there's a wind blowing. I'm like, he's going to say it. Him, he has to do. He has to do it once. He can't. You can't not do it. Uh, he'll he'll it back once. down on that. He has to. The wind's um, howling. It got to happen. It's gotta I, I hope it's the last line of season eight <laughs> where he's just standing there he goes winds howling the end yep. alright well that's uh, that's gonna wrap up our Witcher season two talk um, so uh, with that being said I think that's gonna wrap up our loadouts so I think it's time to jump right into our hit points for breaking news rumors and booty juice it's time for hit points all right, so for our hit points, we have two uh, pretty interesting news items to go over, and uh, the first of which is for a little game called Cyberpunk 2077. So, what's that? Um, it's it's a thing. It's a thing that happened that people don't like that they should. Um, so, Cyberpunk 2077 Samurai Edition is rumored to be the next gen title of CD Projekt Red's soft relaunch of the troubled 2020 release. According to leaks, this new edition will feature barbershops, garages, improved AI, loot improvements, apartment customization, new UI, new weapons, a Gwent-like minigame, and more. Now, it's also rumored that the first expansion will take place in an expansive combat zone in Pacifica, where two new gangs will be revealed. So there's a lot of interesting stuff that could be coming to this game if these rumors are true. Um, so how do you feel about these rumors? And if true, Pablo, how exciting is this for you? And, uh, to be 100% honest, I'm not exactly excited by this news in that it didn't make me more excited for what I already was. Like things like, for example, I'm a, to, to be clear, I'm excited for the the next gen patch of cyberpunk 2 reading these little tidbits didn't make me that much more excited for a few reasons one barbershop things like that these things are i almost feel need to be in the game already right like these these editing tools for your character they they should probably be part of the game already as for what the dlc stand they really don't say as to what it is so it's not not much to 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 get excited there uh but one thing that's very um Interesting is that CD Projekt Red has come out, as a matter of fact, today and denied these rumors. They said that hmm. what what had come out is actually not accurate, uh, but they're not saying that whether it's going to be more or less. They're just saying a lot of the little specifics are not uh, accurate. So I wonder what exactly they're, um, uh, you know, what they're alluding to, uh, what specifically isn't accurate. But I, I will say that um, I, I, before this came out, I did say that they should they should probably treat this as some type of relaunch. Uh, you know, kind of get out there ahead of it and be like, hey, we fucked up. <laughs> well documented. We know this. Uh, this is this is the game that we want to make. This is everything that should have been in the game and, and release it. Um, uh, so I, 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 I'm curious as to... I'm, I'm more curious as to what visual upgrades they'll make uh, because a lot of people have this weird notion that they're gonna change the game, uh, you know, like like they're gonna the story is going to change or the way that the story plays out is going to change. They've been clear on that. That's not happening. Uh, what they're doing here is they're probably gonna add additional lines here and there if, if that's true, but they're just gonna make the game run better. Uh, look better and add little things like editing things that that probably should be on there some ai stuff that should already be fixed but there's they're they're not gonna they're not redoing this game 
It's not a remix of the game. So, you know, there's going to be people... You're not going to satisfy everybody. There's going to be people who are going to see that and be like, oh, but it's the same game. It's like, yeah, it's the same great fucking game that actually works. <laughs> like, I, you know, that, I don't find anything to be specifically wrong with the game other than the uh, technical stuff. Uh, the game is what it is uh, at this point. So well, how about you? How about yourself? What, what do you think about these rumors? Do you think they're true? Are you excited? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely felt like some of this um, probably wasn't true. Um, I, I think some of these are kind of nice to haves, but I don't see a lot of these in terms of like priority level. I don't yeah. see a lot of like garages to me is just not a high priority when you can summon one anytime you want, anywhere you want. You don't really need to have a garage to do that. No, so you I, don't. I think, I think some of these things to me are probably, yeah, they're not super realistic. I, I do think that some of it is, if I had to guess, I think that there probably is a Gwent like mini game. Um, the rumor about that was described in, in, in fairly good detail about what that's going to be. So that seemed a little too, accurate sounding to be just a complete lie. So I think that's probably correct. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was some type of apartment customization too, because there was, it was a, it was a weird element of that where it felt like it wasn't your own, your own place, even though it is because you can't touch anything. You got clothes there that you can't put on. It just didn't feel like your own thing. So I could definitely see that. Um, the new UI I think is probably going to happen too, because looking at the Witcher, um, they made similar types of refinements to the UI and the menus, um, even for that game. So that makes, that makes sense. And I think the AI and loot improvements, um, are probably going to happen too, um, yeah. in, in my opinion. So, I think I think about maybe sixty percent of this is probably on the money, um, in my opinion. I don't know about new weapons, so I don't know what you really need to add in terms of weapons. That you know, there's a lot of pretty interesting stuff in that game. Personally, I don't know. Um, yeah. So, I mean, but I'm, um, I'm still excited about it, though. I mean, I, I, I still yeah. just even if there was none of this, I like I said a million times, I've been waiting to play it on next gen to see it and uh, at its very best. Um, regardless, I just, the, as long as they can get this thing to run without crashing or being completely ridiculously bugged out, I don't yeah. really care about having all this in day one. Um, you know, so it's not, it's not yeah, a deal I breaker mean, look, for I, me, I guess. I think that, um, and one of the things, and, and just to what I was uh, alluding to is, uh, Paul Tassi from Forbes said Cyberpunk 2077 1.5 patch and, uh, and first DLC reported leaks. He, he has a report. And the global uh, PR president of CD Projekt Red says, this thing does not add up. Sorry, Paul. So that, you know, he's not outright denying that none of it is real, but I, I guess he's he's alluding to the fact that it's not quite accurate. He, here's here's the thing, um, and, and, and this is kind of outside of the conversation, but one of the things that uh, we all forget and, and this is this is us as well. Um, is that CD Projekt Red doesn't have a good track record when it comes to releasing a game without bugs. I am currently deep in a replay of Witcher Three, and that game is riddled with bugs till today. Like that, like there, there's a, there's a glitch that I'm ha- having with Tris Marigold that every time she's on fucking screen, she has a fireball in her hand, and all you hear is the crackling of the fire. That's and it's my like, boo. <laughs> yeah, and it's like that's not supposed to happen. This game is years and years and years old, and it's just it, there's such an ambitious game, both of them, Witcher Three and this, that there's so many so many things happening. There's gonna be uh, glitches and bugs, so I am looking for the best possible experience you can get from Cyberpunk 2077. It's not gonna be bug free. It's not gonna be perfect, and that's just part for the course for a lot of ambitious games, you know. Um, 
but I I just want this game to come out. I want it to be uh I want I want it to be as good as possible, and I want to play it again because I loved I loved I love uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. It's not the game they promised. It's not a terrible game by any stretch of the imagination, and I'm I'm just I'm I'm excited too. Is I'm excited to finally play it again and, and have a good time and finally get this shit out of here in terms of like the purview and just and let's get on to Witcher four. Come on, let's go. We know you're working on it. <laughs> I don't disagree. I think you're right, though. I think a lot of people have had this very like rose-colored glasses sort of feeling about Witcher 3 as if it didn't come out with a lot of problems and doesn't still have them. Um, it did. It, it Everything down to, I mean, all the way down to the way Geralt moves uh, yeah. oh, was yeah. actually patched with an updated you know, movement yeah. um, mechanic. It's, it's, it's had its share of problems, and it, it needed work. I, I think that there's a myth that you know, that CD Projekt Red has, has put out, you know, near flawless games. And that's just not true. They've always nope. put out stuff that they have chipped away at and, and constantly updated. The reason why they became so beloved is because a lot of the stuff they were doing was not, um, you know, paywalled in a ridiculous fashion, you know, um, including next-gen upgrades like this. You know, they've always been really pro-consumer from that standpoint. They've never been a nickel and dime kind of company. Um, that's why you don't see microtransactions for stuff in cyberpunk. It's just, it's not what they do. They don't care about that. Um, that's what made them lovable for a time. It wasn't that they were putting out extremely near polished products. So people just kind of have to keep that in perspective. I'm not trying to diminish what was wrong with cyberpunk, but I think people have generally, yeah, yeah, way, way more wrong. But I mean, generally speaking, I think people have been like, well, you, you, you did so well from Witcher three, like, yeah, were you there? Were you there Witcher, on day one? Because I was, and it was, it was a little Witcher tough. Witcher 3 was a game that I played from the day it came out, and it came out, I think, May 15th, because it was, uh, they got it, I think that's the day it came out, mm-hmm. and it came out, and I got it, yeah, yeah. Some, it, but I got it for my birthday, so I, I, I remember just sitting down playing that game and just playing the fuck out that game, yeah. and finishing it, and loving it, and very much coming from f- far, far, um, Fallout, yeah. Uh, Skyrim, uh, knowing that the par for the courses, and this isn't an excuse, but an acceptable amount of glitches and bugs are, are in certain games. That's different now because so much money is being put into these games, and we just want games to work, you know? Yeah, yeah, of uh, but but uh, you know, I, we'll, we'll see what happens here. I, I, I'm super, I, I am, and when I say super excited, I don't mean that, I, I, I don't mean it in a kind of just like a pass away. I am, I'm really excited to see the, the new patch, as I am excited for the patch for uh, Witcher 3. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to, for CD Projekt Red to put out the best version of the game possible and then move on to what's next, you know? No doubt. All right, man. So, um, moving on. Um, our second and final hit point topic is uh, is an interesting one. Uh, Jason Schreier uh, has reported uh, in a new Bloomberg report that um, Ken Levine's uh, first game under the uh, new studio Ghost Story Games has been stuck in development hell while also suffering staff turnover due to Levine's stubborn and degrading management style. Um, it was a pretty interesting article, Pablo. It wasn't the first time we've heard uh, this type of stuff about um, Mr. Levine. Um, so I want to kick it over to you first because um, this is a pretty troublesome thing. And, and, and just to kind of give you a bit of an alley-oop here, I mean, you know, and, and I think listeners would also understand this too, in that, you know, when these stories come out, it's, 
you know, just because we've heard sexual harassment stories and really extreme stuff that's going on yeah. with Ubisoft and, um, and Activision Blizzard, that it doesn't make these things like minor. Um, uh-uh. it, it's, it's just as toxic and just as bad. So, you know, with that in mind, how do you feel about this? And, and, and how does this make you feel about uh, Ken Levine's uh, future projects? Yeah, I mean, uh, Jason Trier also has a book where he touches on the development of uh, Bioshock Infinite, and this is pretty much exactly what he said in the book as well, that, uh, you know, Ken Levine sees himself as some sort of visionary, and he expects the best work from his uh, from his staff, and so he puts these people in the pressure cooker, right? This is just this is just, you know, the way that he describes it, a, a pressure cooker to kind of get the best out of them. In other words, he's abusive as fuck because he thinks he's a visionary and nobody gets it because he's the only one that's smart enough to, to get what's going on. And that's kind of how I, I, I feel uh, about anything that he's doing going on. I mean, in the future, I have to say, as a video game fan and as a fan of Bioshock, System Shock 2, I'm a huge supporter of SWAT 4, love SWAT 4, I have to say that I am excited, or was to a certain extent excited for whatever Ken Levine was doing next, right? Um, uh, to many, Bio in, if, uh, Bioshock Infinite wasn't the greatest work, uh, but, uh, I, you know, and, and honestly, that studio, after they released that game, they disbanded the studio after making Bioshock Infinite. Um, but let's let's be real here, and it's a conversation that you and I had, you can be a visionary, you can be an artist, you can be a visionary artist, uh, you can be all these things, but when your work is very much reliant on others to, 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 to kind of deliver your vision, you can't be this horrible piece of shit, because what happens is that you really don't inspire greatness or or artistic integrity what you inspire is disgruntled employees and at that point when you have a disgruntled employee of course you're going to be upset with them and because you're constantly creating the situation in the work environment that in turn is not giving you the results you want though you think it is because you're like i'm just giving him a little bit of tough love and and you know and it's something that i said it's easy to create uh villains uh out of out of certain people you know because oh he's a terrible person but he look what he but because of everything he's done and I could say, well, he's created great games, but my argument is, would we be okay without those games, without Ken Levine, the visionary in the industry? Absolutely. 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 I don't think there's anybody, any visionary in the video game uh, uh, medium that can get away with being a horrible person because just because of a vision that they may have. And that includes fucking David Cage and all those motherfuckers. Like, it's just, it, it, it's just a sad... Um, it's a sad state of affairs, honestly. Uh, while video games are, in fact, art, uh, I, I think if you want to be a tyrant artist, a, 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 a tortured artist, go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do that shit by yourself. Lock yourself in a room and, and go ahead and develop the game. All technical aspects, all writing. You want to be a, an asshole? Go ahead, be a piece of shit and asshole to yourself. Don't you know? It, at the at the end of the day, it just doesn't really. Uh, you don't matter if if the way that you're getting this stuff out is by being horrible you know so that's yeah. kind of where i stand here all right man let me fire a few shots myself um here's the thing ghost story games was created eight years ago 
It's been eight years, and you, Ken Levine, have produced approximately nothing. Nothing. Since the inception of this studio. And that's saying something. That's saying something that you haven't even announced anything yet. You don't even have something that you've shown to the public yet. And I think that's because Ken Levine is an egotistical, tyrannical, bullying, weasel of a man. And, you know, it it, it hits home a little bit for me and, and, and probably a lot of people who listen to the show, maybe even you, Pablo, because I think we've all worked for somebody kind of like this at one point or another in our respective careers, uh, regardless of what you do for a living. Um, somebody who thinks they're the be all end all because they have a certain track record of success um, or they're seen at seen in a positive light, but no one knows the real them behind the curtain. Right. And this is the quintessential example of that. And it's, and, and here's the thing, being a visionary is not enough. It's one thing to ideate. It's another thing to create. And what I've realized, among many other things about this story, is that it's the sweat equity and the abusive resiliency of his team that the genius really comes from. Because they had to figure out a way to outsmart an idiot and still figure out a way to make a great game under such severely harsh and unfair work environment. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm removing the verbiage Ken Levine created blank game from my vocabulary because I think he's been more of an ideation type of person. I think they're more of the creators because they've had to deal with making a great game for us at the expense of their own mental and emotional health. And I give them more credit than I give him. Um, vision without leadership is failure. Um, you cannot be a visionary without being a good leader because then anything goes and everything is wacky and wild and there's no, there's nothing restricting you. And, and we've seen it in, albeit in smaller ways with other visionaries like a Kojima, right? His, his biggest flaw in his visions is no restraint. He just kind of goes in and you get everything. Every exposition dump he ever wants to give you, every theme he wants to throw at you, it, you're going to get all that. You know, and there's no one really there that can say, "Hey, Koji, uh, Koji, Koji, can you can yeah. you can you tone that down a little bit? It's a little too on the nose." Like you can't because it's Kojima, right? And but in Ken Levine's case, you can't because he's a jerk, right? Um, because he makes the choice to create himself as a villain. When he gets up out of bed, he gets to work. He comes in and he decides, "I'm going to be impossible to get along with." Um, because I want my game and I want my legacy to be a one, but you got to take what comes with that. You got to take the hit. You're going to get reports like these, which I'm glad are starting to come out now because it's 2022 and stuff like this doesn't fly like it did in 2007, fam. Sorry. You're going to have to own up to this. And to that point, he needs to issue a statement. I'm tired yep. of hearing nothing from him. It's crickets all the time. Even when it comes to him getting ousted, fam, you were trending on Twitter. You're trending on Twitter. You have to say something, dude. You need to get your head out of the sand and stop trying to wait for this to blow over. And you need to say something. You need to show us that, hey, you're going to try to create a better environment because the facts speak for themselves. You have no game. Half of your founders of the studio left. You've got terrible turnover everywhere else. 
and you've got a, yet another report saying you're a trash person. At some point, your vision of a good game isn't going to cut it for me, bro. You need to say something. So I'm hoping that with this story, you know, that that some type of ownership and accountability comes from this. Because if it's just going to be, hey, I'm just going to shut my mouth, wait a few years and announce our next game and hope people forgot about this, I won't. So that's kind of where I'm at. And video games are a collaborative effort all around. You know, it isn't like a sculpture or, or, or a novelist or a, a, you know, somebody who draws. They work uh, mainly alone. But video games, in order to, to create a video game, and the, way that, uh, and the way that Kojima and Levine do it, it is, they're chock full with teams, with people who actually are able to take the thing inside your head and make it a reality. Unless you're like an Eric Barone who made Stardew Valley or, or something like that who works alone, yeah. which, you yeah, know, yeah. very rare cases. Uh, but, you know, you you can't be this tyrant when really your artistic, uh, you know, endeavor, it goes nowhere without the artist. Sure, you are part of that team, but if without the team that's creating the game, that's actually in there putting the zeros and the ones into the system... You know, they're just a guy with ideas, and everybody is a guy with ideas. Exactly, you know? exactly. We had an idea to make this podcast, but we, yeah. but we eventually we had to figure out how to execute this the right way to make this yeah. come to life and be hopefully what we hope it'll be. We couldn't do that if we were being douchebags to each other. It's just gonna, right. it's gonna, it's gonna trickle down and affect the game, and and uh, not the game. Well, in this case, in this example, the show, but in his case, it it has affected your game. So you know, I, listen. I can live without never seeing another Ken Levine game again. I I hope that people that he's you know that he's got working under him can find better opportunities and can get the hell out of there, and let him drown in his own vision because it's not worth it. It's not worth you know whatever the product it is to know that I got to play a game and try to not I got to separate the art from the artist and I I I hate being put in that position by by games these days man it's, it's just it's it's irritating so I I'd rather not see anything from them again personally but you know we probably will um cockroaches don't die easy um <laughs> anyways anything else you got on this one or are you are you we good no, to go No I'm good Yeah I'm good All right I'm done being sassy too so I'm going to go ahead and uh get us into the checkpoint chat <laughs> It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. All right. So with 2021 in the rear view, we are thinking about the rest of 2022. And uh, by all accounts, it looks like it's going to be a way more exciting year when it comes to uh, uh, big games, uh, both big and small. Uh, And with that being said, uh, me and Pablo are going to drop our most anticipated games of 2022. We're going to start with our five most anticipated indie games, and then we're going to round it out with our five most anticipated AAA games. These are all going to be in order uh, from five to one, uh, and we're going to go round robin uh, to uh, cover these bases. So uh, with that being said... Homie, I'm going to give you the floor first. Uh, let's start with the indie games. Uh, let, let's get the let's get the the little guys out of the way first and talk about that. So, uh, what would you say is uh, your fifth most anticipated indie game of this year? Well, there there was a uh, a game that I was looking at called Earthblade, um, and Earthblade is a game that is being created by Extremely OK Games, which are the creators of Celeste. Uh, but they've recently said that they don't think Earthblade is coming out. 
this year. So I I, I, I want to go ahead and give a little shout out here, but it's not going to come out this year. So I'll, I'll leave that for next year's list. So And I want to shout you out for remembering the name of Celeste, the video game. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. So my, my number five is this little game called the Chinatown Detective Agency. Where it is a point and click, uh, you know, uh, puzzle adventure game set in a cyberpunk China of twenty thirty seven or something like that, uh, and it is uh, it is a really cool aesthetically pleasing looking game. Uh, it is uh, it it is inspired by the Carmen Sandiego games of the of the nineties, uh, and it, it it just looks like really cool and you know kind of going into it and, and how you, you solve those puzzles I, I like those kind of point and click games that use uh, like puzzle like logic puzzles to, to kind of get through them and so uh, and just based on how the game actually looks I it's one of the games that I'm anticipating the most this year um, it's Chinatown Detective Agency got you all right um, my number five most anticipated indie game of the year is Somerville Um now, this one uh, is from the new studio, Jump Ship, which is uh, made from the co-founder of Play Dead, I think. Yeah, Play Dead. Um, yeah, Play Dead. So uh, this one is uh, very much in the same spirit of, of Inside and, and like Limbo with its art style. Um, but it's it's basically, from what I understand of it, it's, it's, it's um, you know, there's some kind of catastrophic thing that happens in the world and you and your family um, are kind of, you know, fighting for survival. Um, uh, you know, th- there's been, I think, two trailers of this game so far and man it grabbed me and it looks it looks really really special um artistically and gameplay wise i think it's going to be really interesting um and i'm sure it's going to have some really um thought-provoking theme uh told through its uh its storytelling however the, the story is going to be told um to make it even more captivating so uh, i've had my eye on this one since it was announced and it's been one that i've been really really excited about getting my hands on uh hopefully it won't be delayed or anything but uh so far it's still penciled in for 2022 so hopefully it'll be a good one yeah i'll jump in here because it's actually my number two um and so since you already kind of said your piece on it i'll kind of just say my piece on it uh yeah i i i agree i i think that this game looks amazing apparently it's an alien invasion uh that's happening uh and so you have Mm, to kind of escape the being captured by aliens at least that's what the at least that's what the the game is telling you early on in the the trailers uh but yeah it, it is it is created by uh hazim i think is um I forgot his I name. I just looked it up here. now. It's Dino Patty. Yeah, Dino Patty, who was a co-creator, uh, a co-founder of Play Dead, and apparently they left in, in horrible terms. Like it, he, there was a power struggle, and he just left. And funny enough, he he named his studio Jump Ship uh, Studios. So <laughs> you know, there, there's a little bit there. Uh, he claims that he's pretty much like him is is the the guy behind all those great games, and not him specifically, but also him finding talent writing talent to actually do the game. He said it's all been him. So he's trying to flex here and he's flexing hard because Somerville looks absolutely <laughs> amazing. Like that, that game looks like like Limbo and Inside, but like on crack. I mean, times 10. It looks like so Dude. good. Yeah. And I wasn't even big on Inside. I thought it was too weird for me, but this one looks a little bit more up yeah. my alley though with the family aspect yeah. of it. I like that. Um, so, um, so what's your actual number, number five? Four, well, you, well, well uh, number four, yeah. Oh, I thought that was your number two you said. Yeah, 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 but I'm going to number four. Oh, okay. Oh, Remember, yeah, I started on number five. I'm, I'm bugging. Go ahead. Go ahead. You bugging. All right. Number four is Salt and Sacrifice. Uh, you know, a lot of these games come out and, and people talk about them like, hey, this is uh, a new Souls-like. You kind of unintentionally or intentionally kind of roll your eyes because, I mean, so many people claim to be the next, uh, you know, uh, Souls-like but never really uh, 
never really hit it. And then now you're saying you're a Metroidvania. So I was like, okay, now you're just throwing words in there and you sound (laughs) ugly. But that's exactly what Salt and Sanctuary was. And Salt and Sacrifice looks like a lot more, you know, that plus more. It looks graphically, it's been, it's been a little, it's been redone. It looks a little bit, it's the, the pic, the art of it looks a little bit more clear in terms of like, it's not just pixel art. Um, it looks great. The, the, the combat looks fluid. Uh, and it really just looks like, uh, really for me, it it looks like it, it, if Souls-like existed before Dark Souls, I think, the SNES version of that would be a Salt and Sacrifice or Salt and Sanctuary type game. It looks amazing. I can't wait to get my hands on it, and it is slated to come out this year. Yeah, Salt and Sanctuary was was really, really good. Um, I never beat it because I always never beat those kinds of games, but uh, the time I had with it was really good, and it, the art style is terrific. So I, yeah. I'm actually going to keep an eye on this one as well. It did make my list, but it's one that I'll definitely be watching. Um I'm curious. There's a game that I have in my head for you that I wonder if, if you're going to have on your list. I won't say what it is until you go through your list. Oh, okay. All right. We'll see if you know yeah. me like that. Uh, well, here's the next one. I don't know if you got this one, but maybe you did. Uh, it's Replaced. Um, Replaced is um, a really, really interesting looking uh, cyberpunk or steampunk action game uh, that's 2D with like the cyberpunk pixel art. Um, very retro futuristic t- kind of thing. Uh, it, it looks a lot like that that cyberpunk like 2.5D game, The Last Night, that never came out. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, a lot yeah. like that. Um, something about this one just grabbed my attention from the, from the jump. And uh, so much so that I thought it was The Last Night when it was first announced. Um, but it is going to come out day one on Game Pass, which is super dope. Uh, I'm really excited to get my hands on this one because I have a weak spot for for any kind of sci-fi, cyberpunk-looking uh, aesthetic whatsoever. Uh, so this one, but it actually looks like a really competent game with a lot of interesting, uh, you know, gameplay from what what they've shown at least. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm I'm ready to get my hands on this one. I, I don't know much about the studio, Cat, uh, Sad Cat Studios, or anything like that. Um, but hopefully, uh, it, it turns out to be dope. So. So uh, this replaced. this um this game uh didn't make my list uh but it's a complete oversight. It should probably it would probably slip in at number five, mm. uh right above uh, uh, uh China uh, Chinatown Detective because it just it just I, I remember it and it looks like so good. So yeah, that, that's kind of just an oversight on my part. So good catch there. All right, what's your next one? So my number three is Oxen Free Two Lost Signals. Hey. I mean. It's one of those. Uh, Oxen Free was one of those great games that you weren't really expecting, but when it was released, it kind of blew uh, blew us away. Um, the writing is perfect, and the flow conversation is amazing. Now that might seem like a weird uh, thing to praise, but when the game is basically just you having conversations with your friend, with your friends, it, that's a very important part of the game, and they really nailed uh, that aspect of it. Uh, great writing, uh, and I'm expecting more from Oxen Free Two Lost Signal. I don't know exactly what they're going to be able to do. I think they they did everything they were able to do with Oxen Free. I thought it was a great ending. I, I thought it was a, uh, you know, I thought it was just, it was just a kind of a perfect game in my in my mind. Oh, and so, uh, I'm I'm really uh, interested just on the pedigree uh, of Oxenfree and, and, and Night Studios, which is now. Uh, I ask you if this is an indie game because Netflix bought it, but you know <laughs> it's still in development before then, so we'll, we'll yeah. go ahead and count it here. Uh, so I wonder what what will happen. Um, I wonder if it'll be more Oxenfree or more of that the last game that they. Um, that they released, which was okay. But after wasn't party or whatever. After yeah. party, yeah, yeah. Which wasn't wasn't oxen free levels of good, but it was it was okay. So yeah, well, I actually uh, I totally agree, and that's why it's also my number three. So um, yeah, oxen free two to me, uh, it, the first game 
holds such a special place in my heart. It came at a time when I wanted to, it's one of those, I hate to get all like, you know, goofy, but it's like, it's one of those times when you're going through a lot and you just want to like check out and be someplace else. And that game was perfect for that. The story was great. The music was great. Um, you know, the, the art style is phenomenal. Uh, and, and I'm really hoping that it retains a lot of that greatness to it. Because I really thought that game, uh, to this day, doesn't get enough love. Um, and not enough not people have really sung its praises like it deserves. But that game is super dope. And um, it, we'll see if, if Lightning Strikes Twice. I don't know. But, I mean, it, it, it's tough because... I don't know how much effort they're going to put into this game now. I, I kind of got that stigma in my head of like, are you just going to throw that out this out and just be done with Oxen Free and go do your Netflix games now? Well, I mean, they, or they are you going to? Are you going to? Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, I, it's it's totally me just being paranoid about yeah. the quality of the game. But I I just hope that it it at least is on par with the first one, and I'll be more than right. happy with that. I'm, so I'm a little. I'm a little confident. I'm confident that it will be because, like you said, Oxenfree doesn't get a, a, a lot of love. And so nobody was clamoring for more Oxenfree, unfortunately. No. And so the fact that they went back to it means that, kind of like when they went back to The Last of Us 2, you know, when Naughty Dog Days, they had a, a good idea. And so it, it, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. I hope that's the case here. Yeah. Um, my number two, Somerville, we already talked about it. So what's your number two? Oh, that's right. Uh, so my number two is uh, Stray. Uh, Stray is uh, a game that, that I, I think is got dark horse potential written all over it, in my opinion. Um, it is uh, a stray cat that has to basically navigate through uh, a really uh, weird, uh, futuristic uh, city of, of almost robot-like people. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I think the art style and the graphics look fantastic. I think it's 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 not a silly looking game to me, which is what I was really like. Okay, this looks cool, but is okay. Is this going to be trying like the the goofy indie game premise of you get to play as a kitty cat, <laughs> you know, or, or is it or is there something kind of like cooler about this? And so they showed some gameplay uh, at, at one of the um, uh, state of plays, I believe, uh, last year, and. It looked really good. I I, I can't lie. So um, yeah, I, looked, I just cool. I have a feeling this game could be super super good. Uh, and, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Something about it's just it's I, I can't quantify it. I just have a good feeling. And I could be wrong and eating my words later, but I think this is gonna be a this gonna be a hit for me. So yeah, it didn't it didn't make my list. Uh, but it's it's definitely a game that I, I'm looking forward to in terms of to see how it turns out. Same thing with Sifu, which didn't make my list, but uh, also a game that it's kind of like catching my uh, caught my interest a little bit. But yeah. my number one is yeah, it's sports stories. <laughs> uh, come on, uh, I I mean listen, there's there's uh, uh there's just there's no world where i don't uh, have sword story as my number one and look it's probably in the top five of my, my most anticipated games of of the year yeah period. just in general uh, yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, i think usually uh delays are concerning but one of the things about sports story that i'm kind of like that i'm actually excited for and and, and, and relieved that they did is that sidebar games did delay it based on the fact that once they were developing the game they found the sports aspects of each of their different kind of sports that they're they can go more in depth in those they're pretty basic and now they're going really in depth into 
all the sports in the game. So that's really cool because I, I felt that Golf Story was uh, fantastic. But one of the things that Golf Story kind of started feeling a little bit um, not as in-depth in terms of the mechanic of actual golf. You know, it was all about the levels and, and how those levels affected the golf game rather than swing type and all that. Didn't really have that kind of stuff. So I really do like the fact that uh, Sports Story is going in-depth in each of their st- uh, sports mechanics. Uh, and it's actually, you know, sports RPGs have been around forever. When you play the single player or version of the my player of... Um, of a, of a sim it is good and it is technically RPG but an actual like kind of RPG involving sports games with a with a story attached to it I mean look Golf Story came out of nowhere it is kind of the theme for indie games they come out of nowhere they kind of impress you Golf Story was undoubtedly that great golf RPG and I can't wait now to get Sports Story which is it's slated for this year I looked up uh, information that said this year is, is they're confident in this year, but we'll see. Listen, as long as it just, as long as it's because they're, they're refining game mechanics, because if they're going to have a lot of different kind of sports, I don't want them to feel similar or just kind of baseline. They got to feel in depth. And I was just going to say that. Yeah, out. totally yeah. right. Yeah. So, I, or just to feel like cheap and throwaway. You know what I mean? Just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give, 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 it, they, give it some depth. You know what I mean? They took a chance to, because they could have done Golf Story too, and it would have been. I would have been just, uh, you know, excited, but the yeah, fact yeah. that they're, they're they're doing sports story and it's all these different sports, like it would be a real shame for them to just be like kind of throwaway sports. It's uh, they're actually really in depth sports. That's that's fantastic. So I can't wait for that. All right, dope man. Uh, all right, so I got my last pick. So why don't you tell me what what game you had you were thinking about, and, and we'll see if you. Uh, 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 Hollow Knight, Silk Song. Hollow Knight. <laughs> <laughs> As you're right, uh, Silk Song, man. Uh, man, yeah. I'm so looking forward. This game, it, like getting a firm release date, is kind of like how it felt with Elden Ring for a while. It's getting that same, yeah, like, yeah, are yeah. we gonna get Silk Song? Please, Silk Song. You know, any any state of play or Nintendo Direct, Silk Song, please. Um, I am so hyped about this game. I I really truly believe. The first Hollow Knight is the best Metroidvania ever made, and uh, that is no easy feat considering yeah. um, the 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 kind of games Metroid that would be. Yeah, dude, <laughs> like uh, it's it's killing all the greats, and it it, it definitely does, dude. Um, I am so glad though that it's it's been in the dark because that tells me they know they got something. You know what I mean? Like they're not gonna let this go out until it's it's right. And I really appreciate that because they have earned my trust as a, as a studio after yeah. the first game. You you put out a game like that, I I believe in you. You know, didn't they? Uh, didn't this start off like an expansion, and it, it kind of evolved into like a whole different game? Uh, there was talk about doing that at some point. Um, they did do like expansion content um, at a certain point. I don't know for sure. You might be right. Um, but you know, either way, I, I'm just I I, I think Cause that I- this is going to be so fire. Because it feels a lot like Sports Story in that it could have been just a, an expansion, but it looks like you know what we got yeah. something here. Let's make this a full fledged game. Y- yeah, it could it could be for sure. Yeah. Um. So I I am I am definitely gonna keep my eyes peeled for this. This this to me is one of those games that if if it's not in my top ten games of the year by the end of this year, I'd be shocked. Uh, it, it better be because it never came out. <laughs> <laughs> or or it's just a complete gross failure in there. Yeah, it can't it can't be. It can't be. So no. uh but yeah, yeah. So that's uh me and Pablo's top five most anticipated indie games of twenty twenty two. Uh but we're gonna get to the main event and talk triple A games. Uh same format, listeners, we're gonna do uh, round robin again with our five through first fifth through first uh, uh favorite or most anticipated games. So um uh, I'll kick it over to you first. What do you got? 
Uh, my number five is a game that we've never talked about on this podcast ever, yet we are hardcore fans of uh, of it. And my most, uh, my fifth most anticipated uh, AAA game of the year is Final Fantasy sixteen. Um, now, is that a lock for next year though? So okay, so here's the thing. Uh, so according to things that I've been reading, it's that it was supposed to come out early this year. Uh, and it's been delayed six months. So uh, Jeff Grubb and those kind of uh, people are saying that they're anticipating the game to come out holiday this year. Uh, now, could it get delayed? Yeah, possibly it could get delayed. But as it stands, in terms of uh, everything that's been said, uh, it looks like they're planning for this year for the game to come out uh, later this year. So that being the case, I, I, I put it on my list. Uh, again, these all these games are subject to change because the, sure, yeah, it's, it's yeah. been it's been nuts, you right? Know? Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, Square Enix. I think what one of the things that they've kind of stumbled onto, kind of like Capcom with Resident Evil, uh, again, is that what old is new again, and it really made Final Fantasy a pillar to uh, their kind of success, right? You got Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, and then you have uh, Final Fantasy XIV and Walker, and, and, and the, 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 the expansion that came out two years ago. They're really, like, they're games that are, they're really kind of uh, focusing on and making them, um, you know, a part of their catalog, a very important part of their catalog. And so with Final Fantasy XVI, you know, Final Fantasy XV was uh, a game that, it, it was divisive. I, we, I think we loved it uh, quite a bit, uh, but it did release in a state where it didn't seem that it was uh, complete, uh, fully complete. But I don't think that they're going to do that again. I don't think that they're, w- with the way that they have in the momentum with Final Fantasy, I don't think they're going to release a game that's going to be anywhere close to not finished or, or have any issues that the Final Fantasy XV had. I think sixteen is going to be a game that when it comes out, I think it's going to I think it has to kind of surpass everything they've done with Final Fantasy from before. There's a lot of silence. Um, there's a lot of, like, you know, not a lot of people are talking about it. But I'm okay with that because I, I do feel um, if the game is not ready, it's not going to release. And, and and that's very important. I, I think that that's something that they've pretty made a point uh, about it. Because, you know... It, Release windows have become a little more flexible lately. Uh, you know, before it was like we have to get it out because we got to make money in this quarter. Uh, but now it, it, it they're kind of more into the let's release a game when it's ready, and they're giving a lot of studios, especially AAA studios, a lot of time to their uh, to their uh, standout franchises. And so, being that I, I've played every Final Fantasy game just about and, and loved just about all, all of them, uh, I mean, how can I not be excited about Final Fantasy sixteen? You know, I, yeah. I, 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 it just it's just one of those franchises that that uh, have found itself again uh, with remake and, and 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 like I said, like Endwalker. So I am really really excited to to see what they bring with Final Fantasy sixteen. I think for me, uh, you know, I, I don't I, I don't know if it would still have been in my top five if I you know, thought about it because I I think I'm just gonna be honest. I'm in a weird space with Square. Uh, overall, I, I just have a, I have weird feelings about, you know, just their, their overall direction as a company, what their priorities are. Um, they're out here championing NFTs now. So it's just getting real funky, uh, out there with, with, with Square. Now I don't, I would be shocked if there's NFTs in this game, to be honest with you. Well, I didn't, I didn't put it into any of that, you know, which is, which is true, but I didn't put any of that into my kind of, uh, concession when mm-hmm. making the list just because I, I'm just going based on the game uh, itself. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like 
Final Fantasy has been a, a pretty important thing for them. I mean, like, like I, I was a huge denier of 7 Remake thinking, oh, this is going to be a mess, and mm-hmm. it just was not. It's not at all that. And so it would be really weird for them to release a mainline Final Fantasy and it'd be a disaster. Yeah. You know? um, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to it too. I just uh, I've got a little too many, few too many doubts about Square and their direction yeah. to be fully, fully committed. Because I mean, you know, they think Forspoken is is everything, and I'm, I looked at that game. And yeah, like, that's booty hole. Yeah, but you, know, I think they kind of have to do that to, to, to hype the game. Once that game comes out, it's like never mind. That I game mean, never they existed. pulled a whole gameplay trailer off the internet as <laughs> they were so yeah, not yeah. proud of it. I'm like, ugh. And that's the Final Fantasy 15 squad, so I don't know, man, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, my number five uh, most anticipated uh, AAA game of uh, 2022 uh, is actually Splatoon 3. Um, I'm a big Splatoon guy, and, and talked about it in previous episodes of the show, but I love me some Splatoon, man. It is such a good time. It is it is wholesome fun. Uh it is uh it's got super good style. Um, you know, it's from from the from the clothing you can put on to the weapons. There's they're so imaginative about this it's world. It's just fun. It's just pure fun, dude. And not only that, but they're adding a full single player campaign as well. I'm like, yo, this is for me. This is this it's it's so for me. Um I sunk a lot of hours into Splatoon 2, um, and, and it just never got stale, dude. It never, never, never got stale. Yeah. So I know I'm going to get a lot of mileage out of Splatoon 3 if it's anything close to uh, how good Splatoon was, and I have a feeling it's going to be very, very good. I have a very good feeling about it. They've, they've not they've not really given me any reason to doubt them uh, with right. their imagination or ideas that they bring with every new game. So I think this is going to be a hit. I really, really do. So... Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I it was definitely contention here uh, because I I'm not as big as fan as you are, but I, every time I played that game when we played it together, it was just a blast. Till the last time I played it, which everybody was just so much better that I was like, I'm not playing. Yeah, this at no that more. point it was it was sweat it was it was sweaty it was so sweaty. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So um, that's your number five. My number four is Elden Ring. Uh, you know, Hold, wait a minute. You mean number one? No. So number one? No, the reason the reason it's for the reason it's for, and you were gonna say something, it's because <laughs> of the fact that I I have there's three other games that are just twenty twenty two is a huge year. It's it's sure. it's gonna be a massive year. And the other three games I have on it, I would be lying if I said that uh, that Elden Ring, I was more hyped for Elden Ring than the other three games I have on my list. And once we go through them, you'll understand, I think. Uh, but look, I've been a Souls fan for a long time. Every new iteration of the Souls games, uh, be it Dark Souls or Demon Souls or Bloodborne or Sekiro, uh, they bring something new and they all learn from software learns from previous games and, and it brings things forward into those games that make those games better. Dark Souls 3 was the culmination of that trilogy that it took everything that worked from 1 and 2 and, and, and things that didn't work from 2 specifically and, and made the perfect Dark Souls games with Dark Souls 3 in my opinion so when you're talking about a studio that it's a culmination of everything learned from all those games I mean it is it is highly like exciting to 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 look at that and be like if they took all the lessons learned from Bloodborne you know Sekiro Dark Souls series and they put it into this perfect package uh, I, I, I don't know if I, I, it's going to be really hard for this game to not be good, in my opinion. Because again, from software, like you've given uh, a lot of the, 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 the teams on your list benefit of the doubt. I mean, from software for me has never failed. You know, they've never made a bad game, period. Uh, sure, there are games that are better than the others, but they've never made a specifically bad game. But they're all unapologetically 
Souls-like games, like period. They, they, they're, they're not trying to do anything else. So with Elden Ring, there are concerns about now it being an open world, right? Uh, visually, it's not it's not stunning. It's not really like credible. There are moments where the game looks really beautiful, but and, and overall, apparently it's not the, like a, apparently the performance of the, like the frame rate isn't exactly the best from the network like test they did. So hopefully, that yeah, but you know, figured but, out. But yeah, yeah, but famously, uh, a lot of those games like they've come together in that framework at the very end uh, because there's so much going on. Uh, but again, there's never been a game that released and it's frame... Th- that's the one thing. Gameplay is king in this from software games. And I... I, I if there's a frame a frame issue, I'd be shocked. In fact, if there is, I would say that they would, even this close to releasing, that they would uh, delay it because they can't have a Dark Souls-like game come out with frame rate I issues. I mean, they It's did, just not though. gonna happen. It happened with Bloodborne... Uh- Sekiro had some issues. It was like frame pacing stuff going on with a lot of those games. So it, it is it is uh, yeah, kind of stuff that I, happens I with that, them. But I mean, I don't think. Yeah, I see. I and I and I've heard and I've heard these things with Bloodborne, and I've never had those issues. Like I don't understand what people are talking about when they talk about, especially with Sekiro. Sekiro was I was, think you was just lauded as being I don't know like, if you can. You, you don't have you. You don't spot stuff like that. Is 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 yeah? But when, when a game is so specific about frames. Like these games, like you would, you, you it, the unfairness of that advantage would come through like this. It doesn't matter how light you are to those kind of things. So I Sekiro was like pitch perfect. Uh, in fact, if, if I'm not mistaken, there is a Games Come Sutra article talking about the frame uh, rate of of uh, Sekiro in terms of like it being like outstanding. So I, I I've heard people say these things, but I just don't I don't I don't know where they're coming from because I've never kind of walked into that issue. You know, obviously if you go back to like Bloodborne uh, to the first Dark Souls, yeah. Uh, I mean, even Dark Souls two had a lot yeah. of like slowdown and stuff, yeah. Um, yeah, but like, yeah, I mean, yeah, but ultimately those games are are are, are pretty pitch perfect, and so Elden Ring is definitely a game that I'm looking for. So that's my number four. Yeah, I mean, shockingly, it's not on my list, which is no shock actually. But uh, I did pre-order it because, and I and I swore I was done with these games, and I, I still kind of mentally I I am, but. I think, you know, with Pablo saying in, in previous episodes, this is kind of the culmination of everything they've done and learned over the years. I think it it serves me right to give them one more try with this. Like, kind this of, is like the... If this is this their is pinnacle, perfect game. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If, if that's the case, then you know what? Cool, I'll, cool. I'll, I'll give it a fair shake. But, I mean, I, I know I'm going to be in for a complete beatdown. So, I, I don't know what my mileage is going to be on this game either. But I'm looking forward to it. Um, but my number four... Uh, is uh, Horizon Forbidden West? Um, you know uh, the sequel to one of Pablo's all-time favorite franchises, um, which is not true. But he <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, look, I Psych. mean, I think that this game is going to be fine. I think it's going to be fine. And I think it looks really, really good. Um, you know, they showed what the PS4 version looks what looks like, uh, and I can definitely see that they've put a lot of juice in the PS5 version for sure. Uh, in comparison, they both look fine, but now, like from a visual standpoint, um, I can really appreciate the extra bells and whistles they put into the next gen uh, version of this. So visually, it's Guerrilla Games. They have a hell of an engine. It's going to be uh, an excellent showpiece type of game from that standpoint. Um, and from what we've seen in the gameplay so far, it looks really, really stylish and cinematic. I gotta yeah. say, um, you know, and I, I really am hoping that there's more depth to the actual combat because the first game felt pretty one note, pretty fast. 
um, hide in bushes. You know, wait to see the trail yeah, that the yeah. uh, the robot animals are going to walk in and either sneak by or have some slow baton hit. Uh, it was it was <laughs> super boring, dude. I'm like, it's got to be it's, yeah, it's got to be a little bit to more. The choir. <laughs> It's got to be more visceral than that. There's got to be more. There's got to be more there. And, and I, I, from everything they've shown, at least, it looks okay. like there is more. So now, I, obviously, we're not here to shit on on people's picks, and I'm and and I'm not gonna do that here because I think that you're in the right. I'm really uh, excited about uh, what this game could be, but it's not on my list. And the reason it's not on my list is because I don't know many people who had an issue with. Besides us, I think with the way the story was told, a lot of people having the issue with the combat. You know, uh, you know, the, the, there are people out here capping and saying this game, the first game, is better than Breath of the Wild, which is absolutely nonsense. So the thing is, is I'm not too confident that they are going to fix these perceived my perceived issues because they don't think they're issues i think the combat's going to be better i think visually the game looks outstanding i think it's going to be an overall better game i do think however it's going to fall into the same trappings from the previous games it's going to be the way the story is told the visceralness of the combat i don't know if if they're going to get away from the hiding in the bushes this time we're going to be hiding in the water like these little things a lot of it from from what i've seen a lot of that's still in the game however i've always said this game would benefit from a sequel, and I think that everything from Traversal, especially Traversal, looked absolutely phenomenal. And I am excited for it, and if there was a top 10, it, it, it would probably f- uh, slip in there towards the end of, of that list, because it, 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 you, I would have to be a complete and absolute hater to say, nah, this game's like trash. It doesn't. <laughs> it looks absolutely amazing. So, but yeah, I I, I, I agree. I think it's, 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 it, if it works, it's going to be amazing, and if it doesn't, it's not going to be bad. That's the problem, right? It's not going to be bad even if it doesn't work. It's still going to be a lot like the first game, which I didn't like at all, but it has many fans, and so it, it's, no it's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. So my number three is God of War Ragnarok. Um, you know, for all the reasons Marco talked about uh, his experience with God of War uh, on the top of the show, uh, I echo all those reasons. Uh, I, I think that phenomenal game, recontextualizing Kratos. I mean, who would have thought that was going to be that was going to work, let alone be incredible, you know? Uh, it, it not only it, it not only redeemed uh, the character, uh, well, it redeemed the character, but it, it, it just not only redeemed the franchise, it, it, it brought it into a new era of, of storytelling. And it's not at all like uh, God of War 1, 2, 3, or, or, uh, it's, it's its own thing, but it's using the past to inform its future, which is absolutely great. Uh, you know, expectations are high. Uh, I, I wonder if the same camera, the single camera shot thing, that's going to be a thing that they do again. I, it might seem like nothing, but it, it, it really is... It really is an incredible uh, storytelling mechanic, especially when you're going back and the th- you're seeing Athena. And you're going back home to get your your, your chaos blades in the first um, in the first game. That whole shot, I mean, going onto that boat and then just going back home. Every, that 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 wouldn't work. That wouldn't be as impactful. It didn't have that one whole camera, one yeah. one shot. And I feel that that's got to be a staple of the franchise. And I hope that they do it. And I hope that they use it to the best of ability. Uh, here's the thing: a lot like um, Rise of Dawn. If the game is on par with God of War, it's going to be a good game. 
you know, I hope it does more. Uh, I hope it doesn't try to repeat a lot of stuff. I know with the with the tra the visitor, the boss fight with the visitor, little things like that that are really awesome. I, I hope that the game does its own version of that without being the exact kind of, hey, remember in, in First God of War, this is a really cool thing? Let's do that again. I hope that they find something new, uh, which uh, great writers out there, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that they will. And so with that said, God of War Ragnarok is my number three. I mean, with, it's... I mean, it would be higher if it wasn't for the other two games on my list. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it, it's it's man, it, it's got a lot to live up to, but I think uh, I think it's got a chance of being a better, superior game. But we'll have to see. Um, it does. It does. Yeah. My number three, and I and I have a feeling we're probably going to be uh, circling through the same three games here, uh, just in different orders. But my number three uh, is Legend of Zelda sequel. Um, I'm not going to call it Breath of the Wild two because it has no name. Um, yeah. so I, I'm just calling it Legend of Zelda 2022, um, to be petty, but I, uh, you know, look, they have, they're really kind of going in with this one and you can tell, um, all the way down to patenting, <laughs> like some yeah. of the gameplay stuff they're doing. So they really mean business with this game. Uh, and, and that is, uh, you know, that, that is the, uh, the dick slapped on table move, in my opinion. You can't sure. use this yeah. in your games anymore. Or you can't, don't get this idea. Uh, they're, they're tired Without of being ripped anymore, off. Anymore, and more that like, we created something new that's going to be so dope that we have to own it. Yeah, it's like the Nemesis system was for, uh, yeah. for the Shadow of Mordor. Absolutely. Like, yo, they're, they're not playing. And um, I, I think, uh, you know, I have my doubts that it's going to come out this year. I honestly do. I'm not saying that to be yeah. petty or spicy. I just don't no, know. I, I don't I know uh, what, what their ultimate goal is with like what they want to do in terms of the year or with a new switch. I, I have no clue. But if it does come out this year and it is what it is and we get it when we get it. I think it's going to be outstanding. Um, I stand by what I kind of said when we did the Metacritic predictions, where I think people are, are still going to have um, a more special place in their heart for the original, um, and and knock this game down a, a notch and say it's not as good. But I I have a feeling that I'm going to personally like this game more because it seems like it's, and I'm or at least I'm hoping it's not going to be as puzzle driven as the Breath of the Wild was, um, with you know the the, the the tombs, whatever those things were called, the shrines, uh, I think they're shrines. called. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't really big on all that stuff. I got tired of that after a while, and I wanted more like straight up dungeon type of experience uh, from that game. So I'm hoping there's more action. I'm hoping there's more combat. I'm hoping there's more actual dungeons uh, to get through. I have a lot of hopes, um, but I am looking forward to this, and it's um, another so, three. I mean, look, the, it's the thing that took the game the longest, the first one. When it, when it first was announced and then subsequently took years and years to release is the framework, the the physics of that game, the world that it built. They have that already. So how exciting is it that they have that already done pack, which is some of the things people talk talk about when they talk about this game is it being game-changing are those things, the world and the physics within that yep. world. They have that already. That's already uh, ironed out. And now they're going to be able to iterate and add new things into it. I mean, you know, one of the main complaints is that uh, Breath of the Wild didn't have a story, or a, a, a very elaborate story, or a story that really didn't, you know, you could get story bits if you did a little more, you know, exploring, but it just wasn't as prevalent. And it looks like from the trailer, the first trailer that they showed it, that that's a focus of the game. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Definitely we'll see. Here's the thing. Zelda's never had a great story. No. Uh, they're pretty bare bones. And so I I'm, I I'm, I'm being greedy, and I'm looking forward to this game being 
more on the story front as well. I think that it's time for it to, it, it, for everything it did for gameplay, I think it's time for it for story as well. And I hope gotcha. that they have yeah. that here. And it is on my list, and we'll get to it eventually here. Okay. Um, my number two. Is that where we're at? Yeah, we're number two. I think so. My number yeah. two is, is Starfield. Uh, hey. Yeah, but that's the studios. Uh, they've been making Fallout, Elder Scrolls for years, and been delivering on 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 those Western RPGs, and and some considered some of the best Western RPGs ever created. Uh, their new, their first original IP uh, in twenty five years. I mean, you have to be excited for that kind of stuff. You know, little is known about the gameplay. Not a lot is being shown about that. They're being a little coy with that, but that's because you know, but does it does that? But does it? Does a blowout, hey, look at this, everything about the game, comes out in six months. And so I'm feeling that come E3, we're going to get everything we need to know about Starfield. I'm really excited just based on the pedigree of the studio behind it. And one of the things that a lot of people are not talking about, which is weird because it's a main complaint with a lot of the Bethesda games, is that this game is going to introduce the Creation Engine 2, which is the their, their new and improved engine. Uh, and so, you know, I, I'm excited to see what that means. It's a lot riding on that, in my opinion. Uh, they're, they're putting a two behind it, so that it must be that significant. So there has to be some changes there. I mean, you know, the the, the Bethesda jank was fun and, and adorable for a while. It's no longer <laughs> the case. Uh, yeah. You can't have Starfield coming out and just be janky as fuck. Nah, well. yeah, you gotta, it, yeah. yeah. You gotta step it up It, it can't work that way. So, uh, I, I'm ex- I mean, come on, like, again, if, if you're a Western RPG fan, if you're a Bethesda fan, how can you not be excited for this? Uh, and you know Xbox has a good game coming out at the end of this year, uh, and, and 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 I hope it I hope it delivers. It's gonna have to fight through through the bullshit of because it is an Xbox exclusive. Oh, it's not that good. You yeah, know? yeah. It's kind of like how, oh my God. how people Twitter are, are recontextualizing. Oh. Yeah, just like people are recontextualizing the narrative for Cyberpunk, where it's like it's not about the bugs. It never was about the bugs. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> fuck them. Yeah, That's hysterical. <laughs> Yeah, right. so uh, Starfield is my number two. What's your number two? Uh, number two for me is God of War Ragnarok. Um, you know, like I said at the beginning, uh, when I talked about God of War 2018, fire, man. I mean, they, the first game does not have a lot of blemishes at all. Um, and so, you know, that's um, that's a lot to live up to. And, um, you know, we don't know a ton. I haven't seen a ton about this game in a while. So I don't know how it's coming along, but I do agree that it doesn't need to... See, what I'm concerned about is I don't want this to be what people have kind of said about Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart and that it's just another God of War. You know, I, I don't want that because I think I think it is going to try to iterate and, and do some smart evolutions, but again, within itself as God of War and not try to reinvent the wheel per se. Um, and to that point, I, I think... I think that's okay too, though. I think, yeah, I think it's going to be fine. I think it's going to be fine. Uh, even if it is more of the same, you know, to, 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 to stay that consistently, like, masterful is still a hell of an achievement. So I, I think that this game is going to be just just great. Um, I think it's going to look good, play good. Um, I'm really interested to see where the Atreus and Kratos relationship goes next. Um, I am also interested to see, since this is the last of the Norse um, story arc, how this is going to end and how epic it's going to get. Are they going to go all out and do more than just have a Thor versus Kratos arc, or are they going to go a little bit bigger than that. Like, I don't know. So, I mean, it is Ragnarok after all. So like, it's kind of got to be a big deal. Right. So I'm really curious I about mean, that stuff. 
they could also stab, stop Ragnarok. You never which, know. Yeah, it, could, it yeah. could go totally sideways like that, too. But, yeah, I mean, I, I am absolutely ready for this. I think it is going to come out this year. I think they are going to have a really oh, awesome yeah. game, and I think it will be a game of the year contender for sure. PlayStation is going to have a year. I'm telling you, man. They're going to shoot, gonna especially, if, especially if Final Fantasy 16 comes out. Then you got Gran Turismo, you got Horizon, you got God of War. And Final Fantasy sixteen. That's that's I tough. Mean, I'm telling you, I, I said it last year. I said it. In, I said it in the game of the year podcast. I think PlayStation is going to have their best year, and it, and it's going to put the conversation and the onus back on Xbox to see what how they respond. Because next year Xbox could have. Yeah, it's going to be a back and forth yeah. battle. I can't yeah. wait. I cannot wait. So it's it's going to it's everybody wins. That, that's a uh, that's a good thing here. So our, our number one game. I mean, obviously my number one game is uh, the the Legend of Zelda. T- teeny tiny tiny it. Tina's Wonderlands. Legend <laughs> 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 of Zelda <clears throat> Breath of the Wild uh, Part Deuce Working title uh, Listen There isn't a world The parallel universal Alternate dimension That exists That this game Wasn't going to come out On number one In my top five Most anticipated games It is without a doubt My most anticipated game Of whatever The fucking As long as it takes Every year This will be my number one game uh, In terms of anticipation uh, But yeah man Everything I said uh, Previously uh, You know it, 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 This this game really has An opportunity To take everything That the first game did And be that much better You know uh, There's not a lot of examples Of a Zelda uh, Direct Zelda sequel One of the things That you can look at Is probably Zelda uh, A Link to the Past And Zelda 2 Which absolutely Were completely different games uh, But the better example Would be Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask coming out two or three years after each other and a continuation of that story. Um, Majora's Mask completely changed what Ocarina uh, uh, did uh, for better or worse. I've personally say worse uh but breath of the wild seems to uh kind of uh part two is going to embrace what breath of the wild's already done and adding those islands in the sky that water mechanic where you can go you know right through those rocks i mean i mean just the way that uh the interesting link, yeah, precipitation uh, on these hoes man <laughs> Yo, let's go. you know uh the way that link looks the interesting story there that's why i think there's gonna be a lot of story elements because you know there's there's a a, a thing wrong with link's hand um i i you know the rumors are out uh, about Maybe you play as both Zelda. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of things going on that are really exciting about the game. The one thing that I am always going to bring up and say, oh, God, I'm, is that it's coming out on the Nintendo Switch, y'all. <laughs> That's the only thing that I'm like, oh, I really hope that they optimize the shit you out of it. You got to get the OLED, uh, I, bro. Get the, get the popping. Get the deep blacks you know what nah, i'm saying the, oh that's the thing and that and that's the problem is the oled is not going to do anything for the performance but a zelda game always usually always comes out with the launch of a new of a new system which is why i'm thinking maybe this game doesn't come out this year but they've said 2022 so i'm going by what they said so i'm going to go ahead and put it here my number one right. uh if that means that we get a new console in a year you better believe that i you know i might have to Wife don't hear me. I'm gonna have to get a new console. <laughs> uh, I can't play this on a regular Switch if it's, it's if Switch Pro is out there. Yeah, I mean, that's no true. That's true. Ain't no way. Ain't no unless way. unless they it's completely optimized for the system and it as well. But uh, that is my number one. What is your number one, sir? All right, number one for me, man. Listen, Bethesda's been getting punched in the mouth over the years with uh, the way they handled Fallout, the the constant Skyrim on this, Skyrim on that edition, Skyrim edition. The Skyrim edition. Uh, it's a lot of this the same junk. Deathloop to me was was terrible. I got love from, you know, obviously most of the media and the community, but I think they are due for a certified banger. I think they need it. It's time to have an unquestionable hit. And I think Starfield 
should be that, and I'm hoping that it will be that. So it is my number one most anticipated game of the year. Um, it, there's a lot of things this game can do that is very Skyrim in space, and it'll be enough. Just to be blunt, um, I would yeah, be cool yeah, with that. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this life changing. You've never seen anything like this before from us. Like I don't need all that. I need you to make me a a crazy good RPG that I can play for, you know, fifty to eighty hours, maybe even more. I, that that's what I want, and uh, I want to see a lot of great, you know, post release support. Uh, with a great roadmap of new content, please keep the NFTs far away from this joint because I could. Oh yeah, because I, this I is like built for it. You know, if they weren't sold to Microsoft and Phil Spencer wasn't against NFTs, they would have. Pla- you can buy your planet here in Starfield. Oh, they. I mean, oh, bro. Listen, DLC. Who the fir- who was the first people to do DLC? It was them. Ugh, horse they armor. DLC baby. on Xbox 360 for horse uh, gear. Did yeah, you yeah. buy it? So. No, no, no. I no. did. I, I wasn't. <laughs> I did, did you? I, I, had no, I, had no, I had no hope. No, I didn't. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think I think this has got to be a hit, man. This is this has got to be. You know, look, we spent billions on this uh, on these guys. Uh, Microsoft did so. They got to make sure that this this is going to come out of the gate and be a flagship franchise moving forward. They need one. You can only rely on Gears, Halo, and Forza for so long. You need to have a, th- a fourth or fifth game to 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 keep the momentum going while the other games are cooking. You know, they have and to would, have that. And I would, and I would be kind of. It would be shocking to me that they didn't evaluate the state of Starfield when they were going to purchase uh, Bethesda. Well, in, yeah, in and, and plus Sony was trying to uh, get the exclusive rights to that, yeah. too. Yeah, so, so. This, there's got to be something there. Yeah. And, and honestly, when you look at Bethesda itself, they've only really missed with Fallout 76. You know, obviously Deathloop, that's, they've, that's their parent company with Arcane. But in terms of, like, their, their development house, I mean, from Morrowind all the way down to Fallout, uh, to Skyrim and Fallout 4... Um, it really didn't miss, Mm-mm. and this is their next great big RPG, you know, followed by Elder Scrolls. But you know, yes, sir. it's I'm super excited for it for Starfield. It is. If it wasn't for Zelda, it would be my number one anticipated game. I I can't wait for it, and I I, I don't know why. I, I and I, maybe it's just me being stupid because I felt the same way about Cyberpunk. I just don't think this game is. I don't think this game can miss. I, I really don't. I just I, I'm too confident in the studio, their pedigree, what they've done in the past, and everything, and the way they're going about it. They're going about it the right way. They're not overpromising. Uh, they're not underpromising. You know, they're, they're yeah. really talking about the, the 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 vibes of the game. So I, I'm really excited about uh, about what this could be. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our five and five of most anticipated games of 2022. Now, look, this is normally where we sign off and we say goodbye subscribe follow us do all the things but uh we got a little something special for you guys that we want you to stick around for so as you all know we did our 2021 game of the year as a team and that was a lot of fun but we also had personal top tens as well and a few honorable mentions so what we decided to do is for this episode and the next episode coming up we're going to go ahead and give you guys our personal top tens of uh, 2021 so that you kind of know where we were individually kind of at so you can see who you might agree with more um, so we're going to start this week with uh, Pablo 
Pablo's top 10 list, so he's going to drop his. Uh, it was recorded separately, so there's going to be a little bit of a cutoff, and then we're going to jump straight to him. And then next time around, you're going to get my top 10 games uh, in, in, at the end of the episode as well. So uh, stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, uh, that's going to wrap up this portion of the show. Uh, be sure to follow us, subscribe to us wherever you stream stuff. We really appreciate it, and you know where to find us on social uh, if you want to keep us in your FOV. So with that being said, we're going to cut it here and transition over to Pablo for his top 10 list. We'll see you. Hello, everybody. This is Pablo. I'm one of your hosts of the Cool Down Time podcast, and I'm here to deliver to you my top 10 games of 2021. I'm already on record giving you guys my opinion uh, of 2021 as a whole year in video games. Uh, I won't bore you with that again, but go listen to part one and part two of our Game of the Year episodes, episodes 33 and 34, where we kind of give you an an entire breakdown of what we love about video games this year, and also we we have some thoughts about what we think specifically about 2021 in, in video games. But without further ado, let me go ahead and give you my top 10 personal games of 2021, but I'm going to start off with doing that uh, with some honorable mentions. Uh, so these are not in order, but I have three honorable mentions that I kind of want to uh, put on here. And one of the games that might surprise some of you due to the way that I talked about it in episode 34 was Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. It is one of my honorable mentions. I don't think this game is bad in any way, shape, or form. I think one of the things that really uh, hurt it in terms of not making my top 10 list is the fact that how excited I was for this game. I think it was top three in terms of my most anticipated games of 2021, and then it turned out to be uh, Ratchet and Clank, and it, it's a very, um, it's a very good game, and it does a lot of great things. It, it is probably one of the better looking games. It is probably one of these games that uh, you know people don't talk about the frame rate and how that holds up so well. I just ultimately felt like it didn't live up to the hype that I had created in my own head, and that's my fault. I know that, but ultimately I couldn't quite fit it in my top ten of the year. Another game is Forza Horizon 5. Now, I love Forza Horizon 5. I think it is, like Ratchet & Clank, beautiful to look at. An excellent uh, video game in terms of just, like, the visuals and and the frame rate. Love all of that. Love it. But it's, to me, it just still was a racing game, and I'm not the biggest fan of the racing game. Now, the the argument's been made, is it the greatest racing game of all time? I could, I I would say so. I'm no expert. I I really shouldn't have a say in this, but I think that that's a good... uh, I think that's a good take because of how uh, of how great Forza Horizon is in terms of everything that it does. Racing, it's great, uh, and then just the video game aspects of it, the controls, the, the, the visual, the audio design, everything is absolutely top notch. I just couldn't place it in my top ten because it's still not a game that spoke to me like other games on my list. Now this one is shocked even Marco, the other host of the Cooldown Time podcast, and that's Far Cry Six didn't make my top ten. Now I am currently. Uh, wrapping up Far Cry 6, uh, you know, kind of putting finishing touches here, and I really, 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 really enjoy this game. The, the problem with, with, with Far Cry 6 is that it just got kind of diminished by Halo in terms of the first-person shooter game. It's not the same kind of game. Obviously, it's not it's going for different things, but 
it just it's a, Halo is a, a a game that I rather uh, I enjoy playing more in terms of first person uh, kind of uh, escape. Here's the thing: another game that hurt Far Cry Six, and this is again not a game that does anything close to it, but it is uh, Rainbow Six Siege, which is the game that I got into in 2021, and I just uh, it's a first person shooter game that I rather play rather than Far Cry Six. Now that might seem like a crazy kind of thing that I'm putting together here uh, to kind of make an excuse as to why Far Cry Six didn't make my top 10, but it is still a first-person shooting game. Um, it's just not the kind of game that I was really uh, looking for or really into, or it didn't really even speak to me. I love the performances in it. I love the gameplay. I love everything. I think it's a beautiful game to look at, but ultimately, it kind of just did everything on a decent level to a good level, but kind of just fell flat for me overall as an experience when you compare it to my other top 10 games. Now, Let's get into my top 10 games. Enough of my honorable mentions. I'll start with number 10 here. Number 10 for me is Chivalry 2. Now, Chivalry 2 is a game that I played on a very um, short cycle. I didn't play all year. I didn't play it for months on end. But I did play it for a, a long time, and I played it with Marco. It is a multiplayer game. It is a arena type of multiplayer game, medieval, swords, all that good stuff. It's a game that I, I that, that I saw people were really talking about. I gave it a chance, and, and the price is right. And, and really, I really enjoyed my time with it. Um, I don't know if it's a game I ever go back to, though, deliberating on the games of the years and talking about the game, it kind of makes me want to go back uh, at certain times, but ultimately, I'm not, it's not really a game that stuck with me on the long run, but however, that short time frame in which I played it, I really, really, really loved uh, Chivalry 2, and so it's an experience that I had in 2021, maybe it doesn't make my list in other years, but ultimately, for me, I really enjoy what Chivalry 2 did uh, as, a, as a game that surprised me, but also a game that I really respect and enjoyed my time with. Number nine is Life is Strange True Colors. Now, I would admit I was very high in this game after I finished it, but after kind of having that conversation with Marco about the, the ins and outs of it, I, I, I started finding a lot of holes into the into the plot, and also just, it didn't feel as natural as I thought it, it did when I first played it. Now, look, that's part of this. You know, I, I'm fortunate enough to have somebody like Marco where I can really talk about games uh, into a very specific level. And, and I understand that many people who, you know, just play a game, finish it, and that's it. They go on with their lives. That's fine. I'm, I'm good. I'm, that's good, too. But I get into the nitty gritty of games and I am willing, like any other piece of art, movie, song, music, album, whatever it is, uh, I tend to really... Uh, you know, like to talk to people who really know what they're talking about and really kind of talk through my feelings about something. And I feel like Life is Strange was probably in the top five of my games and it dropped to number nine, but I really loved that. It, what it did and the things that it did well, it did really well. I, I love Alex's story. I love the tragedy, the tragedy she goes to. I, 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 I like the, the, how her powers are uh, kind of shown in the game here. I, I, I think it's, it's done well. I, I love the love story between Steph and Alex. I think that's done really, really, really great, uh, though it is contingent on you picking Steph as your love interest, and if you pick Ryan, I think, it, it, it according to Marco, it doesn't go as well in terms of like the writing. They're really pushing you towards Steph. Um, but that's number nine. Number eight is a game that also can fall into this category, uh, but this is more of my kind of discovery to it. Tales of Arise is a JRPG, and I would say that within the last ten years, I've really gotten into JRPGs by way of Yakuza, really. It's, it's kind of what's gotten me really into it. Uh, 
culturally, uh, I, I'm really enjoying the game as uh, those JRPGs as well. I, I remember a time growing up with video games. I, I obviously big Nintendo fan, so I, I love Japanese inspired games, but JRPGs were never my thing. And now I've discovered them later in my gaming years, and I'm really, really uh, loving JRPGs. Silver Rises is, is, is a, a, a one of those RPG, JRPGs that came out this year that I loved like 80% of it, like, like, loved, 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 it's good until it's not, and, I, and, you know, easily, you can be like, oh, well, the tail end of that game really turned me off, it's not even a good game, but re I have to respect it for what it did, and, and kind of the, the story elements, they were very tropey, but still were emotionally impactful to me in certain ways, not like other games on my list, but still very much a game that I really enjoyed, uh, and I think that the, the combat system is great, uh, I think that the characters, and, and the and, 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 you know, the relationships you build with those characters, I think it's also done really well. Uh, I think the writing uh, left something to be desired when it was all said and done. But it, it really created a world. World building was really nice. I really liked what Tales of the Rise did. And it is my number eight game of the year. Number seven, Hitman 3. This is a game that came out early. I played all the way through. And then kind of forgot about it. Still thought about certain levels, like uh, death in the family level, the, the certain things, and, and, and conversations came up in, in, in Twitter about this game. And it's a game that I really, honestly, to be completely truthful, forgot about uh, until I uh, we started talking about it again and I started playing again. And I'm like, you know what? Hitman 3 does a lot good. Actually, it does a lot great. It, it, it's a game that, yes, it can be silly and dumb, but you don't. It's a game that you really go about it the way you want to play it, and I think that the game rewards you for your creativity and and also its level design is so good. You know, I mentioned Death of the Family early on. I think Death of the Family is one of the better Hitman. Uh, you know, in fact, it is the best Hitman level out of all the Hitman games from the reboot one, two, and three. Uh, I think it's it's it does everything that Hitman does, where you can complete it any way you want, but also it gives you this narrative, this very specific through line narrative that you can follow that other levels in Hitman don't really have. Sure, there's 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 a there's a end goal, but the way you get to it is always by your own doing. You could actually take a part of this very specific narrative, and it is really well written. It is really well done, and I. I loved every minute of it, and I think Hitman 3 stands out as one of the better games of 2021. Number six, Disco Elysium. Disco Elysium is a game that I absolutely love. Disco Elysium, the final cut, to be um, to be uh, specific. Uh, Disco Elysium is a game that I absolutely loved from from the time I started it to the time I, I got to one of the endings. Um, it dropped to number six because other games on, uh, that are, I'm about to mention in the top five are just better games overall. Not in, exactly in the writing. I think Disco Elysium is probably one of the better written games of the year, uh, probably besides my number... Uh, my number of three and one in terms of writing specifically, but um, I, I think Disco Elysium does something that's very special. Not only do you create your own character, well, not create, but you create the the behaviors of your character, you really are going down specifically into the attitudes and the kind of wants and beliefs of a character, which, you know, a lot of the times you can create a character in a game where it's, hey, it looks like you or it doesn't look like you, and you make choices, but there's a story, a specific story, the character does have its own kind of attitude and kind of already placed uh, these kind of um, wants because of the writing of the game, but in Disco Elysium, you can be who you want to be, and 
every aspect, politically, just personally, uh, hygienically. It doesn't matter. You can you can do whatever you want in this Coliseum in that way. And I think it, it all fits in well with the story. You know, there's not one specific kind of build that will make the game less enjoyable. Uh, there are different endings, but I think that the game caters to every possible uh, kind of uh, way you can build uh, your Harry in this game. And so this Coliseum is my number six, a unique CRPG that I recommend to those who love these kind of games. Now, number five, this is a shock to me in that I like Resident Evil 7, I like Resident Evil Remake, I think those games, uh, well, I should say, I like Resident Evil 7 just fine. I love Resident Evil Remake, I love Nemesis, even though, uh, you know, pe that, that got a little bit um, panned. However, I think those games are top-notch, the best, uh, the best Resident Evil games today, period. However, Resident Evil Village came out in 2021 and blew me away. Take the same concept of 7, except it made it better, and it made it enjoyable, and it's a story that is silly f as fuck. It is just a silly fucking story. However, it is so well, it's, it, it, it believes in itself so much. It, it, it's not winking at you and like, hey, this is stupid. It really is, it, is taking everything in terms of the story and, and believing in itself so much that you're like, you know what? I'm going to ignore how dumb this is and really invest in the Resident Evil Village world. And if you do that, this game really sings. It's absolutely great. Great stories. Lady D's an absolute standout. And uh, it is a it is one hell of a game. It is scary. It is, uh, you know, the gameplay is fantastic. And the world that it's created around for Village is top notch. Love it. Number four, Lost Judgment, the sequel to Judgment. I'm a Yakuza fan, big Yakuza fan. I uh, love Judgment. Lost Judgment is a highly anticipated sequel for me, and it lands at number four. Uh, uh, it is well-written. It takes you on a ride. This is a, a relentless story, and it, and, it, and it takes everything that Judgment did, and then it, it, it makes a story that's a little bit more relatable. It, it, it's less ham-fisted in its messaging, though still very ham-fisted, but it is told in a very charming and in a very uh, 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 creative way where it doesn't feel like it's trying to fit in all these things uh, to make it seem uh, conscious or to make it seem woke, uh, for lack of a better term. It, it, it tells a very naturally progressing story. I think a lot of critics were very hard on this game for no reason. A lot outright a lot of them just outright lied about you being becoming an undercover student in in Lost Judgment, which is not a thing that happens. I think the writing in that in that high school portion is really cool, and I think it's silly, but I also think it really works for overall. And it takes and it takes the story. Uh, that's what really starts the story, and it takes it down a really interesting path. I, I think Lost Judgment uh, I, is 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 great. I think the Judgment series is fantastic, and if you ask Marco, Lost Judgment. Uh, kind of uh, redeemed itself from Judgment, which he didn't like. And I think Lost Judgment is better in just about every way. And I hope and I pray that they figure out whatever bullshit's going on and we get another Lost Judgment game. Number three, game you couldn't pay me to tell you that was going to be in my top 10 or an honorable mention or a top 20. That's Gardens of the Galaxy. It had the worst marketing. When this game was announced uh, late last year, there was just no fuck. Wait, was it late last year? No, I'm lying. It was announced E3 this year, I think it was, and when that it was announced, there was no fucking way I thought this game was going to be any good, and I was proven wrong time and time again. The writing, absolutely amazing. I love the writing of this game. I love the characters of this game. I love where it goes. I love where it takes you. I, I think it's funny. I think it's 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 uh, 
you know, I think it's charming. I think each of those characters are written to perfection, specifically Drax being the standout character. I think Guardians of the Galaxy is one of the best games of the year. However, it came out in a year where two other games came out, and that brings me to my number two. Halo Infinite. I love Halo Infinite. Fucking love Halo Infinite. I may have some problems with the story, especially the latter uh, portion of the story. However, the multiplayer is absolutely amazing. And just that world that, that Halo Infinite has built. I am still going through every little specific thing. I am going to 1,000% achieve, uh, get 1,000% achievement of the game. I cannot wait for more. I am just kind of waiting for the next announcement of an expansion for the single player. I I, I, I love Chief. I love Echo uh, 216. I love uh, the guardian uh sorry the weapon i i love all uh those characters and it's probably the best written halo infinite game i think that the story does fall apart a little towards the end because they're building for more uh, halo infinite is more of a ending than a than a beginning really but it really does uh introduce things like the grapple hook which absolutely changes the way you play halo and i can't think of playing halo ever again without it but also the open world uh of halo infinite is absolutely amazing and i think it really it put the 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 new pep in the step that it needed in, in order for halo to really uh be born again and be fresh because there are portions of the game that take you back into a more smaller concentrated linear Part, and I was just dying and kicking to get out of those parts and finally get back into the open world, which I absolutely love. Halo 2's Halo Infinite being my number two is a shock, as a matter of fact, because Halo Infinite was probably my most anticipated game besides Breath of the Wild, which didn't come out this year. Boohoo. But uh, at number two, and that's because Psychonauts 2 is my number one game of the year. Psychonauts 2 is absolutely fucking brilliant from the the story that they tell the the way that they tackle mental health the way that they tackle family issues the way that they just tackle you being a person out of place in a world that you so much want to be a part of it is the the, the level design is absolutely inspired it is gen, it is genius level level design and the way they implement that level design into a specific part of uh, of your brain or a mental mental disorder or mental lapse, whatever that is, addiction, it doesn't matter, each of these levels that tackle that, tackle it in a way that you can see it visually, experience it, and, and then, you know, you know, and really uh, get what they're trying to tell you with that. The direction of this game is amazing. Jack Black is in this game. I'm a Jack Black fan. Uh, I'm a sucker for him, and I think he's, his performance in this, in this game is, is, is great. It is a very cool middle point of the game that stands out, and it's kind of like, oh, yeah, this is a really cool little moment and it kind of acts like a reprieve from the craziness happening until you delve back back into the main story i, I think it, it, it's awesome i think the twists at the end uh are are, are things i didn't see coming i think they're actually written and i think all i think the world about psychonauts too i think it's it's, it's it is a, a genuinely a game that 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 really touched me in many 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 ways, and I love Psychonauts 2, and I know that they're that uh, Double Fine is a studio that w likes to do a lot of different things, and I and Psychonauts 2 being for me so perfect, I still kind of want to see a Psychonauts 3 to see what they do, uh, you know, with Xbox and that money behind them, they were able to put back the boss fights into Psycho Psychonauts 2, which I personally think uh, I loved, and I think really bookended each of those levels, and if without them, which by the way. Before Microsoft, they had cut all the boss levels out. I think it would have been a lesser game for it, a much lesser game. Uh, thank, uh, thankfully, this, you don't say this a lot, but thankfully, a big corporation came in like uh, Xbox and, and and gave Double Fine money to 
kind of put put out the the division for Psychonauts 2 that they always had, and I think it fucking knocks it out the park. So Psychonauts 2 is my number one game of the year. Let me go ahead and give you my top ten list here. Number one, Psychonauts 2. Number two, Halo Infinite. Number three, Guardians of the Galaxy. Number four, Lost Judgment. Number five, Resident Evil Village. Number six, Disco Elysium. Number seven, Hitman 3. Number eight, Tales of Arise. Number nine, Life is Strange True Colors. And number 10, Chivalry 2. With Far Cry 6, Forza Horizon 5, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart being my honorable mentions. All right, guys, thank you for listening. Take care, and I'll see you next time.